Hello, humans! Uh, welcome to episode 248 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as we talk professional wrestling and give my thoughts on the news that I read and the shows that I watch. For those of you who are new, I welcome you. I am the one, the only phoenix that rises from the ashes. It is your boy, Sheena Phoenix. And I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in to this episode for your weekends. And we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about the Royal Rumble. What did I think about the show uh, overall? I'll talk about the uh, what I thought was the best women's Royal Rumble match, in my honest opinion. One of the best Royal Rumble one of the best women's Royal Rumbles that WWE has ever produced. We'll talk about the men's Rumble, news coming out of the Royal Rumble. We got some AEW news involving Mercedes Monet because it's clear as day that she is she is AEW bound. And when will we see her in uh, the company? So I got news on that. We got news on Okada. We got news on Okada. Uh, he filed a trademark, and we got news on AEW offering Okada, uh, like a substantial offer to Okada, and what's the belief in WWE about their chances of signing Kazuchika Okada? So, we got I got thoughts on that. Where do I think he lands? And my thoughts has not changed on where, he, where he'll land, but like I said, uh, uh, we'll go into it when we talk about it. We got news on CM Punk. It's not good. And it is official that he is missing this year's WrestleMania. Because he tore his tricep at the Royal Rumble. I got news on that. Uh, I will talk about Triple H's response on the Vince McMahon allegations. And what could have been... How could I have handled the situation? And why you can't, like, keep dodging these questions. And it's the same thing with TK. Because sooner or later, if these allegations continue to get bought up, then <clears throat> you're going to have no choice but to an answer the question. Uh, we got Trish Stratus. Apparently, she's open to returning at Money in the Bank, which is in Toronto, in her hometown. We got news on how Rhea Ripley's WrestleMania opponent will be determined and is pretty much a dead giveaway who Bailey is going to face at WrestleMania. We got Bruce Pritchard. Speaking of uh, triceps, uh, Bruce Pritchard underwent tricep surgery. Everybody's messing with their triceps today. And unfortunately, we still got a lot of news involving Vince McMahon and it keeps getting worse and worse for this guy. Uh, Janel Grant's attorney says... More people have reached out and want to speak out against Vince McMahon. You got the federal prosecutors having interviewing several women uh, accusing Vince McMahon of sexual misconduct and WWE doing something right by erasing Vince McMahon. This is their attempt to just erase all the existence from Vince. And we don't know how that's going to work. We don't know how that's going to work. But uh, all I could say is all I can say is this, just, I'm glad he's, I'm just glad he's no longer with the company, but it's still going to leave a stain in WWE for the rest of their lives. <clears throat> we'll talk Monday Night Raw, we'll talk um, NXT Vengeance Day, I'm just going to do my predictions, I'm not going to cover the go-home show, I'm just going to give my predictions, 
And also we'll talk about my live experience with AEW Dynamite slash Rampage. And there is, I mean, Rampage is, is going to be on on Friday anyway, as I'm recording this on Friday. But you guys are going to know the results regardless. But anyway, that's the plan that we got for this episode. Um, that's the plan that we got. Make sure you guys follow me on my socials. If you're not following me on my socials, please do so. Follow me, Shino Phoenix. That's on Twitter, Shino D Phoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, NXT, Dynamite, um, SmackDown. I do post wrestling stuff. Uh, I did post some photos and videos of uh, my time in AEW Dynamite. And I did so on TikTok, which if you want to follow me there, we are trying to reach our goal, Shino. We're trying to reach our goal of 1,000, Shino D Phoenix. And I know it's a long shot, but hey, brother's got to start some way. I'm trying to be consistent on TikTok more. <coughs> I do post wrestling content on TikTok. I do post gaming memes. I do post like clips of my Twitch, which if you're not following me on Twitch, it's Shino Phoenix. And I will have a schedule up. Uh, possibly on Sunday. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on Instagram. Shino Phoenix. Uh, we've been doing really well on Instagram. Uh, and like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That way you guys could stay up to date on the podcast. And it's also Black History Month. I want to mention this. It's also Black History Month. So to all my fellow African Americans out there. Uh, and all my, all my people who are black. Um, happy black history month. And cause this month is really, really special to me. Cause like, I'm proud to be an African American. I'm, I'm really am. I'm proud to be an African American and to celebrate our culture and to celebrate our history as well. But, um, I just want to mention that real quick, but let's get into the Royal Rumble first. Let's talk about the Royal Rumble. Um, overall, like I did a reaction on twitch which that's a new thing i've been adding to my uh streams now i love doing these i love doing these reactions to wrestling shows and it makes me so so happy because i love sharing my passion with pro wrestling and i thought overall the royal rumble was good um but the women's royal rumble let's start it off with that they kicked things off with the women's royal rumble and we started it off with Natalia and a returning Naomi. And the moment I heard Trinity's theme, I heard amazing. I, I literally just was so happy. I, I, I was, my bro and I, we were reacting. We were just screaming at the top of our lungs. And you could see the emotion in Trin's face when she got that big hero's welcome. I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. Um, number three, our entry, number three's entry was Bailey. Four was Candice LeRae. Number five was the TNA Knockouts champion, Jordan Grace. And I was really excited to see Jordan Grace. That's the second time TNA slash Impact has a championship being represented in the Women's Royal Rumble. The last time they did it was with Mickie James. And now they did it with Jordan Grace. Which I am I was really happy to see. And she did really great. In that Women's Royal Rumble. In my honest opinion. She did so great. And I love that they 
acknowledge the history that Jordan Grace had with Naomi because they mentioned that that was the title that she took from Trinity. I love that. Great attention to detail. Number six was Indy Hartwell. Number seven was Asuka. Number eight was Ivy Now. Nine was Katana Chance. Ten was Bianca Belair. Eleven was Kyrie Sane. Twelve was Tegan Knox. And I want to mention Tegan Knox for a second because Tegan Knox, she got no re she got like barely any reaction, which I mean, I point the finger of blame at uh WWE for not pushing her <coughs> hard enough. That's just me. But um I feel like they could have done more with Tegan Knox. Uh, number 13 was Caden Carter. 14 was Chelsea Green. And I, I got to mention this. Chelsea Green was the highlight for me. Chelsea Green was so fucking hilarious. Like, every time she got, like, flattened by Nia Jackson, Piper Niven, accidentally. It it's so funny, man. It is. I I've never laughed so hard in my life. It it's so hilarious. Speaking of which, number 15 was Piper Niven, who saved Chelsea Green from being eliminated. Zia Lee came out at number 16, and I wish WWE could do more with Zia Lee. You can't just have her sit in the back and do fucking nothing. Like, develop her a little bit more. That way she can, um, that way people can say, oh, I like this woman. I think she's great. Um, number 17 was Alina Vega. I... Every time she comes out with a cosplay, it looks so good. And not only that, not only that, Zelina Vega is just wholesome. Literally wholesome. Number 18 was Maxine Dupree. And I thought Maxine did pretty well in the Rumble. Number eight, number 19 was Nia Jax, which you knew there was going to be some eliminations coming from Nia. Number 20 was my girl Shotzi. Was my girl Shotzi. Number 21 was Becky Lynch. 22 was Alba Fire. 23 was Shayna Baszler. Uh, 24 is Valhalla. And Michael Cole reacting to the, the antlers was so hilarious. And then you had R-Truth's music coming up, playing in the uh, PA system. He comes out, miss, like, literally thinking that it's the Men's Royal Rumble. Like, I I'm sorry. <laughs> He, he is so damn funny. <laughs> like, just so fucking funny. I, I love, I love, love, love uh, R-Truth. He, he, he got eliminated by Nia Jax. <laughs> Number 25 was Me-Chan. 26 was Zoe Starks. 27 was Roxanne Perez. I think this is her second uh, Royal Rumble appearance, which tells me she is due for a call-up anytime soon. Number 28, which made me so fucking happy. Number 28 was Jade Cargill and her theme. My God, man. Her theme is so fucking beautiful. Beautiful. And she did... She was impressive in that match. She was literally impressive. In that match. Number 29 was Tiffany Stratton. Which I literally said it was. It's, it's about that time she gets called up. And number 30. Who did you think it was? Was it AJ Lee? 
Was it a returning Sasha Banks? Was it somebody that we did not see in a while? Number 30 was Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan has not been seen ever since she got taken out by Rhea Ripley. And there's a story that they can go back to. There's a story they can go back to. But here's the elimination order. Indy Hartwell got eliminated by Bailey. Candice LeRae got eliminated by Damage Control, which is Oscar, Kyrie, and Bailey. Um, Tegan Knox eliminated Natalia, um, which prompts Tegan to get eliminated by Bailey. Kyrie had a highlight of her own. She was she had her foot, like her legs, holding on to the turnbuckle, like to the LED board to prevent touching the floor. And she managed to hold on for it for so long. And I'm like, that is impressive, man. I, I love that. That was that was really, really good. Um Asuka was eliminated by Katana Chance and Caden Carter, the team that lost to <coughs> to the Kabuki Warriors. So clearly we're gonna get we are gonna get this uh rematch at some point. Jordan Grace got eliminated by Bianca Belair by a KOD, which honestly, I would not mind a match with Jordan Grace and Bianca Belair. I would not mind a match between Jordan Grace and Ivy Nile. Like, any of the women in WWE, Natalia even wants to face uh, Jordan Grace. Like, come on. I, I want to see a working relation with WWE and TNA. That would be fucking good. You could send Natalia to uh, TNA or send one of your talents that you're not even fucking using and put them on TNA. I think that would be great. Uh, Hayden Carter got eliminated by Piper Niven. Zia Lee got eliminated by Nia Jax. Ivy Now eliminated by Nia Jax. Maxine Dupree eliminated by Bailey. Piper Niven was eliminated by Nia Jax. Katana Chance eliminated by, you guess who, Nia Jax. Chelsea Green was eliminated by Becky Lynch. Valhalla. Was eliminated by Nia Jax. That's five. Uh, Mee-chan was eliminated by Nia Jax. That's six. Shotzi was eliminated by Nia Jax. That's seven. I believe I missed one. I think I said all of them. But then you get Jay Cargill and Nia Jax. Jay Cargill picked up Nia Jax like it was nothing. She picked this woman up and tossed her out of the ring like it was nothing. When I said it was nothing, it was nothing. And the look Becky Lynch had was hilarious. But um I I don't even know what I can say, but Oh, I I missed one. I missed one. Alba Fire was eliminated by Naomi. Zelina Vega was eliminated by Shayna Baszler and Zoe Starks. Shayna was eliminated by Nia Jax. So that she eliminated eight people. But Naomi, she stood, she was stood there. She was in that rumble for so long, and I loved it. Like they didn't just put her in there only for her to get buried. This ain't Vince McMahon's WWE anymore. This is Triple H and Nick Khan's WWE. <clears throat> like Naomi looked great. She looked great in that in that rumble. But back to Jade Cargill. She eliminated Nia Jax, and I was so happy to see that. And say what you want about Nia Jax, the great she has done so good. Like she's done really well on this current run in WWE. I feel like in my personal opinion, 
this has been the best that she has ever looked. And she knows how to make you hate her. That's what I love about um, Nia Jax. But I can see a few with Jackson um, and uh, Jay Cargill in the future. That's one match I would like to see. Um, Zoe Starks got eliminated by Liv Morgan. Roxanne Perez was eliminated by Tiffany Stratton. Becky Lynch was eliminated by Naomi and Jay Cargill, which led to Naomi being eliminated by Jay Cargill. Bianca Belair got eliminated by Bailey. Then we had Tiffany, Bailey, Jade, and Liv. Those were the final four. And I was really happy for Tiffany Stratton to have that spot because Tiffany Stratton is fucking good. So Tiffany got eliminated by Bailey. Jade Cargill got oblivioned on the apron. On the like on the apron. And that eliminated Jade Cargill. And Liv Morgan gets eliminated by Bailey, which then in points gave Bailey the win. And I was so happy to see Bailey win the Women's Royal Rumble because she deserves it. She was putting over younger talent. She was working her ass off. Everything that Bailey has done <clears throat> is a thumbs up in my book. And now the question is, who does she challenge at WrestleMania? I've been saying it. I've been saying it. The person that she needs to challenge is EO Sky. Because more than likely, we are getting her getting kicked out of damage control. That's what's going to happen. She's going to get kicked out of damage control. But this women's match, this women's Royal Rumble match was outstanding. There was no Hall of Famers. There was no vet. There was no like, like you didn't need Michelle McCool or Trish Stratus. This was young talent, literally upcoming talent from NXT with Roxanne and Tiffany Stratton. You're looking at that forbidden door with TNA being represented and having the original Knockouts Championship design be showcased. Like, Nia Jax had a performance. Naomi made a return. Liv Morgan made her return. Like, Bailey. All I can say this about Bailey, man, she absolutely deserves it. Absolutely deserves it, and I'm really happy for her. They booked this one almost to perfection. If there was one, one negative I will take away from, one negative I will take away from this is some of them were tag teams. Now, I would showcase some more women in NXT, but... um. I'm not booking the show, but you only had two that was represented, which I don't mind. But I I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought this was excellent. One of my favorite women's Royal Rumble matches and a well-deserved win for Bayley. Now, before we talk about the next match, I do want to mention Jay Cargill for a brief moment because there's one part I forgot to mention, and I know somebody's going to give me shit for not mentioning this. There was a spot in the match where... Jay Cargill and Bianca Belair, they military pressed their opponents and they stared at each other. They dropped their opponents and they had to stare down. And I was on my feet reacting on stream. My brother was doing the same thing. This was just amazing. And hell, even Bianca herself 
set on when uh she was interviewed by I believe Denise. Yeah, Denise Salcedo, who is just awesome. I love Denise. She mentioned this about Bianca. This is what she said. I mean, we're going to see what happens. I think I would rather work with the great Bianca Belair. I think she's phenomenal. I think she's a great representation for the African-American community. We're going to make magic. Whether we work against or together, we're going to make magic. And I definitely see this happening. If Bianca does not have an opponent at WrestleMania, there you go. There you go. That is your WrestleMania feud right there. I would love to see Bianca Belair versus Jay Cargill. That is a WrestleMania-worthy match. Bianca does not need a title. She doesn't need a women's championship. She can literally feud with Jay Cargill. And that will sell a lot of tickets. Mark my words. We have Roman Reigns defending his undisputed Universal Championship against AJ Styles, LA Knight, and Randy Orton in a fatal four-way match. Um, I thought this was good. I thought this was good for what it was. But the finish is just so repetitive. I mean, Solo Sokoa gets involved. No shit. No shit. He gets involved. Roman Reigns wins with a spear. He retains by pinning AJ Styles, which was the right choice. And it descends AJ into further darkness. And if you notice in his Titantron, he's not doing the blue. It's all black. And I love it. So we are literally seeing a heel version of AJ at some point. But overall, the match, I mean, it was your typical. It was good, but you had the interference from Solo Sokoa. It's getting old. It's getting old. I like Roman Reigns. I just feel like the title reign is just starting to become stale. And I know there's some people who say he should hold on to it all the way towards September. Are you out of your fucking mind? Are you out of your mind? Why? Because you want to see him... You want to see him surpass Hulk Hogan? Like, do you want that? Do you want that? Because, oh, it's... I don't like Hulk Hogan. I want Roman to surpass him. Just for him to drop it to the rock? Do you want that? Do you want that? I don't want that. He should drop it at WrestleMania. That is where it should happen. It should happen at WrestleMania, whether you guys want to admit it or not. And I'm telling you, once Cody gets that title, then what he, then there's no more part-time champions. <coughs> That's all I'm saying. But um, like I said, the match was good, but typical BS fin typical finish with interference. It, it's getting old. We had a really good match with Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens for the United States Championship. I thought this was really good. Um, the best thing I could say about this match, like, and I reacted to this on uh, on Twitter, I, not Twitter, on Twitch, and I literally said, had KO hit the brass knucks, because Logan Paul was going to use the brass knuckles that Austin Theory gave him, and the ref saw that KO had the brass knucks on, and because of that, Logan Paul retained via disqualification. And I did not mind this. And I know people are going to roll their eyes and be like, ah, oh, another DQ finish. I didn't mind this because it continues their program. It continues their feud. And that's what I love about it. I, I just love the fact that they are continuing this feud when, honestly, it makes sense in my book. It honestly makes sense because... There is no reason that you're going to convince me that 
They're probably going to do this at Elimination Chamber, and this time they're going to add a no-disqualification stipulation. I don't know what the hell they're going to do. I don't know what what's on the mind of uh, the bookers, but KO, he laid out Logan Paul at the uh, end of the match, which this sets up this sets up them continuing their feud, which I do not have an issue with it at all. I don't have an issue with it one bit. But um, other than that, that's the best way I could say it. It was, it was uh, fine for what it was. Now, Kevin Owens, I also got to give him props for this because apparently he wrestled with a fractured foot. Now, Meltzer noted that the injury happened on the January 5th episode of SmackDown when he wrestled against Santos Escobar. Um, Owens did an angle to prevent to build for his match with Paul and had been kept out of the matches until the premium live event this past Saturday. Now, there's no word yet on the recovery time and if it means that Owens will be off of TV for a while. Owens injury news is follows after another story that's going to be coming up really soon because we got a major injury that happened in the men's Royal Rumble. And I hope Kevin Owens is recovering from this fractured foot. I hope everything goes well for him. Now, speaking of which, let's talk about the Men's Rumble. The Men's Royal Rumble. Here, Here's my um, take on the Men's Royal Rumble. I, I honestly don't know what to say about it. Like, I mean, it was fine, but I think the thing that was lacking the most was the lack of surprises. And the only surprise that we had was at number four and 22, which was a waste of a slot, in my honest opinion. But I thought it was pretty meh. I love that they started with Jimmy and Jay Uso. Jay was entering at number one. And the moment Jay entered at number one, I'm like, Jimmy has to enter at number two, does he not? And there's your little tease right there for a potential match at WrestleMania. Because I know these two wanted to work one-on-one against each other at WrestleMania. I think that would be fucking great. Um, But they started things off. Grayson Waller enters at number three. And number four was the returning Andrade. Andrade El Idolo. Andrade Cien Almas. Just Andrade. And he got a nice reaction and his new theme music, I, I gotta be real when I say it, his new theme music is fucking awesome. It is absolutely awesome. Like, it felt like a fucking theme. Number five was Carmelo Hayes. Six was Shinsuke Nakamura. <coughs> Seven was Santos Escobar. Eight was Karrion Cross. Nine was Dirty Dom. Ten was Carlito, which the theme music they gave him, I, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, 11 was Bobby Lashley. 12 was Ludwig Kaiser. And speaking of Ludwig Kaiser, he actually made history. Um, he actually made history at the Royal Rumble because he... Ludwig Kaiser was the first... Was the first German star to compete in the Royal Rumble match. And this is a the post translated from WWE Dutchland. They said history written Kaiser's the first German in the Royal Rumble match, which I'm really happy to hear. And I know Tiffany Stratton is proud of his of his 
of the love of his her life. <laughs> but I'm really happy for Kaiser. He really deserved that time to shine. Because he's really underrated. Underappreciated, to say the least. Um, Number 13 was Austin Theory. 14 was Finn Balor. 15 was, so what do you want to talk about, Cody Rhodes? <laughs> 16 was Bronson Reed. 17 was Kofi Kingston. 18 was Gunta. 19 was Ivar. Number 20 was Braun Breaker. And you want to know what's inter interesting about this? Number 20 would have been Brock Lesnar had not the allegations about Vince and came out and that linked Brock potentially with the Vince allegations. And it looks like Brock may be done with WWE. Brock might be done. Because originally that was supposed to be his spot. But now that was Braun Breaker's spot. Which I think it was a smart choice anyway. Because Braun Breaker is long overdue for a fucking call up anyway. Number 21 was Omos. 22 was Pat McAfee who was on commentary. And that was a waste of a, that was a, waste of a slot. You could have given it to somebody else like a, a Trick Williams or a Jack or fucking like anybody. Because Pat eliminated himself because Braun and Omos were in the ring. I'm like, that was a waste of time. Number 23 was JD McDonough. 24 was R-Truth. 25 was The Miz. 26 was Damian Priest. 27 was... Wait, I gotta do it right. 27 was CM Punk. 28 was a returning Ricochet because he was out with a concussion. 29 was Drew McIntyre, and number 30 was a returning Sami Zayn. Now, the order of elimination goes as follows. Grayson Waller was the first to be eliminated. He got eliminated by Carmelo Hayes. Santos Escobar was eliminated by Carlito, which followed Carlito being eliminated by Bobby Lashley. Um, Karrion Cross got eliminated by Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley was eliminated by... Karrion Cross, who, by the way, was eliminated, which led to a brawl between the Final Testament and Bobby Lashley and AOP. Carmelo Hayes was eliminated by Finn Balor. You still cannot beat Finn Balor, Mr. Uh, Carmelo Hayes. You lost on your Raw debut to Finn Balor, and you lost in the Royal Rumble being eliminated by Finn Balor. Um, <laughs> Austin Theory was eliminated by Cody Rhodes. Andrade was eliminated by Bronson Reed. I could see a few with Andrade and Bronson Reed. That would be nice. Shinsuke Nakamura was eliminated by Cody Rhodes. Ludwig Kaiser was eliminated by Kofi Kingston, which that's when Gunther came out and he is scolding Kaiser. Um, Kofi Kingston got eliminated by Gunther. He didn't do the insane Kofi spot, which I say good. It's played out. And I think Kofi knows that. Jimmy Uso was eliminated by Braun Breaker. Finn Balor was eliminated by Braun Breaker. Bronson Reed was eliminated by Omos. Uh, Ivar was eliminated by Braun Breaker. Pat McAfee, like I mentioned, he eliminated himself, which was a waste of a slot. Omos was eliminated by Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker was eliminated by Dominic, which surprised me. JD McDonough was eliminated by Jay Uso, which led to R Truth being eliminated by Damian Priest. Dom was eliminated by CM Punk. The Miz got eliminated by Gunther. Jay Uso got eliminated by Gunther. 
Ricochet was eliminated by Drew McIntyre. Damian Priest was eliminated by Sami Zayn. <coughs> um, Sami Zayn got eliminated by Drew McIntyre. Now, CM Punk eliminated Drew McIntyre. Cody eliminated Gunther, which led to our final two. CM Punk and Gunther. And the endings, the ending was good. The rest of the stuff was just pretty dull until we got to the ending. And CM Punk gets eliminated by Cody Rhodes. So Cody Rhodes wins back-to-back Royal Rumble matches. And I did not have an issue with this. I did not have an issue with this. He was my second pick because, I mean, it would make sense. But CM Punk would have been a logical choice. But unfortunately, CM Punk suffered an injury. At at the Royal Rumble. And it happened during a Future Shock DDT. By Drew McIntyre. Now Dave Meltzer. He was the first to report. Uh, that um, CM Punk suffered a significant injury. At the Royal Rumble. And it was confirmed that he's tore his tricep. Now Meltzer added that there was a spot. In the Rumble where the ref checked on Punk. He told the ref my triceps. It was said that it happened during. In the match during the Future Shock DDT by Drew McIntyre. Now Punk suffered the same injury at AEW All Out in Chicago of 2022. That required sur- surgery. Which PW Insider later reported that he did tear his tricep. And is believed to be heading towards surgery which he will. So that means he's going to miss 4-6 to six months. Of action. And... He will not be at this year's WrestleMania, which I know it's heartbreaking for him. It really is. It's heartbreaking for uh, for CM Punk. And we will talk about the promo he cut because this was a genuine promo he cut. And Cody winning, I did not mind this at all. I think it made the most sense. And the way I look at this, I see this as a blessing in disguise. I see it as a blessing in disguise for uh, CM Punk. Hope, hopefully, he changes his style, because you could tell like he was uh, getting a little, um, like he was getting tired at some point. But he managed to continue the match. Now, there was something that happened at the press, and I might as well talk about it. I might as well talk about it, because he Triple H. Was asked about the. Uh, <coughs> um, he was asked about the Vince McMahon allegations. And you know. When you do press conference. This is the thing with Triple H and Tony Khan. They need to be aware of this. When there's big controversies. Coming from their company. You're going to expect to be hit with the question. Now. He took part of the Royal Rumble. Post event press conference where he took various questions about the show and the lawsuit filed by former WWE employee Janel Grant against WWE, John Laurinaitis, and Vince McMahon. Now, for those of you who don't know, if you missed the last episode, we talked about that first. McMahon had resigned from all of his roles with TKO following the lawsuit that alleged him to be involved in sex trafficking and abuse scandal from a former WWE employee. It all started when Triple H was asked whether he knew about the lawsuit prior to, like he knew about McMahon's conduct prior to the lawsuit. 
And this is what he said. I'm going to do exactly what you expect me to do here. Um, Triple H said before uh, talking about other topics, including The Rock joining TKO's board of directors. I choose to focus on the positives. And yes, there's negatives, but I want to focus on the positives and do that. Once Brandon Thurston asks uh, Triple H whether Triple H read the lawsuit, he said he had not. He had not before noting. I think Cody Rose mentioned it that we all found out in real time when you were, and that's the truth. I'll go back with what I said. This is an amazing week for us, and at this point, I don't even want to get bogged down with the negatives of it. I just want to focus on the positives and where we're going. I feel like we are in the middle of something that we might not be able to put our finger on now, but five, ten years from now, we're going to be saying, wow, what a time that was. I want to focus on that. Now, Triple H was asked about the steps in place to ensure employees feel safe. He says, I'll give you the most generalized answer I can. Everything's possible. That is a very important thing to us, a very important topic to us, and as simple as everything's possible. Now, honestly, the statement got an uproar in the IWC, and the way I look at it, I just felt like it was the, that was not how you respond. Like, you could have just said no comment, but you should have known that people were going to ask you about, um, like, people were going to ask you about the, uh, <coughs> the, these allegations. It's the same thing. Like, somebody asked Tony Khan about, um, about the Chris Jericho scandal, and he dodged that as well. Like, if, and I, I understand you want to focus on the positives, and look, you can be positive all you want, and that's, and that's fine, but if you focus more on the positives, you know people are going to keep asking about, um, people are going to keep asking about, hey, what about, what happened here, what happened here, and all that other shit, you know? People are going to constantly throw these questions at you and it's going to come to a point where you're going to you're going to have no choice but to answer said question. You're going to have no choice but to answer um the uh the question. But and I also think the fault also relies on the journalists as well, but I'm no I'm no journalist here and I'm not trying to side with Triple H. I just think there's a better place and a better better time to be to ask these questions. Like we just got off a really good Royal Rumble. And yes, I want to focus on positives, but look, I get it. It's your job as a journalist. You got to ask these questions. And you should know you're not going to get the response that you want. You're not going to get the response that you want and that's going to lead to people just bashing on social media. And that's the thing I don't like about it. You know what I'm saying? But um, <clears throat> other than that, I thought overall, like, this could have been handled a bit differently, to say the least. This could have been handled a bit differently. And Triple H should have just said no comment. That's all he should have just said. No comment. That's all. No comment. But anyway, switching gears. Let's talk about AEW. I don't have much news coming out of AEW, but um, MJF is actually doing some stuff while he was away, while he's away from AEW. 
well, there you now I'm just saying this. He's probably playing off on the his contract expiring this year, even though we know for a fact that he fucking signed an extension with AEW, or they might tap in the injuries. Him being injured, they might tap some time on him, but we know he re-signed. But he's actually been pursuing more acting. Now, Deadline.com reported that a new comedy, Floaters, has wrapped filming in New York. Aya Cash, The Boys, Seth Rollins, not Seth Rollins, Seth Green, Steve Guttenberg, Jonathan Silverman, and Dan Adut also star in the movie. It's written by Brent Hoff, Andrew Gordon, and Amelia Bryan. Now, the movie follows... Well, for this is what... you For those of you who want to know, the movie follows struggling musicians, Nami, who accepts a last resort job from her overachiever best friend, Mara, mentoring misfit campers, the floaters at their childhood Jewish summer camp. As the camp struggles to survive and miss competition with a longtime rival... Nami, the floaters, and Mara must overcome their differences to bring the community together and save the camp. Hmm. This looks like a movie I'm, I want to see. If MJF's in this, because you know MJF can fucking act. You know MJF can act. He can sing. The man's talented. And I think this will be really good. I think this will be really good. You know what I'm saying? But um, I, I hope they show the trailer because I do want to see it. <clears throat> I want to see what it what it is. But um there's that. Now when the ratings are when the ratings are dropping. When the ratings are dropping. That means it is the annual hit the button Tony Khan major announcement. Now Tony Khan was set to make a big announcement on on Dynamite next week. And I think that might have gotten pushed. And Meltzer is speculating that it could be either a signing or an announcement of Dynamite being held in Boston, Massachusetts, which is the home of Mercedes Monet. And she was supposed to debut, but it's more than likely that she will be signed with AEW, which we will talk about in a few. Now, when I said Tony Khan's announcement was delayed... Um, Dave Meltzer noted that the announcement was supposed to be made last week on Collision, a show that went head-to-head with the Royal Rumble, but was delayed because of the McMahon lawsuit. Now, it should be noted that Collision took a big hit, going against WWE's second biggest PLE of the year. Now, Meltzer said, and I quote, They were originally, I don't know if you know this or not, but they were originally going to make the announcement on Saturday. And then they realized that was probably the best day to make the announcement because with the Vince McMahon stuff, it's like no one's going to be talking about this. It's better to do the announcement at a time when people will be talking about the announcement rather than get lost in the, you know, sleaziness of Vince McMahon stories. That's all over everywhere, which I understand, but now they have to delay it, which I still think is going to be Mercedes. And speaking of Mercedes Monet, here's the time frame for when you might see Mercedes pop up in AEW, and this is according to FIFO Select. And Matt Mintz, Andrew Zarian, they 
say that uh, Tony Khan announcing he will be he will make an announcement on next week's Dynamite with the belief that he could be be the signing of Monet or Boston date for a Dynamite where Monet would then make her debut. It was implied to them that the announcement was relating on the appending appearance of Monet in AEW. However, they were not told that her signing would be outright mentioned as part of the announcement. Some talent and those close to Monet believe the working plan is for her to appear for AEW in March, likely after Revolution on March 6th. It's unclear when she can make an in-ring wrestling debut for the company. Monet's signing, Monet's signing, not a rival was, nor a rival was never considered to be announced last Saturday on Collision. WWE knew around last year in December 29th that they were not going to sign Monet after talks broke down and likely would have been unable to perform at the Royal Rumble anyway. The impression is that Mercedes has been signed with AEW for weeks, but that's not confirmed. And once Mercedes makes her debut in March, which is next month, you got time. Telling you right now, I mean, that will be the big signing for the women's division in AEW. But the question is, how are you going to book Mercedes Monet? That's up to Tony Khan. That is up to TK. He has to make the choice to book um, Mercedes like a big star in the women's division and possibly ignite that fire that is missing in the women's division in AEW because <clears throat> something is needed. Something is needed. Something You need that adrenaline to be right there. But we'll see how that goes. Now let's talk about AEW Dynamite. I was actually at the show. It was at the UNO Lakefront Arena in New Orleans. New Orleans, Louisiana. And I came in during the Brandon Cutler versus Brian Cage match. which Because they were taping Ring of Honor. And Brian Cage, he got the win on that match. Which, I mean, it was it was a fine match. No doubt. And the pyro was fucking hot. Like, it was so fucking hot when Brian Cage had his pyro. But they were setting up the ring. You see Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Taz. There was ECW chants. Tony Khan came out, hyping the crowd up. And he loves. he says he loves this city. Keep that in mind because I'm going to keep mentioning this because he was happy to be back here in New Orleans to bring AEW to New Orleans. And the set looks amazing. It's much better than the set that we that I went to uh, back in 2022. This was two years ago. The set looks better in person than it does on... When you watch it on TV, it's good. But when you see it in person, it's fucking amazing. And they did the intro. And I did my usual. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. And the pyro. Let me talk about the pyro. If you ever want to experience... Uh, an AEW show, have something to cancel, like have something in your ear, like a noise canceling thing. That way it makes it easier. <clears throat> it makes it easier for you to, um, to enjoy the show. I did that with WWE, but their pyro is loud. 
so loud that I saw one woman who was getting to her seat. She literally just jumped. Like she was, it, it caught her by surprise, but the pyro was loud. But we kicked things off with John Moxley and Jeff Hardy. And you want to know what the best thing was about going to this show? There was this one guy that was not that far away from us. He was so into it. He was screaming, yes, get him, Jeff Hardy. Get him. Like, he was so into it. Like, I was literally laughing with excitement. But I wasn't laughing at him. I was laughing because I was just, it just, I see people getting into it. It was so good. But John Moxley and Jeff Hardy, you had the CMLL stars um, that were at ringside. You had um, Mystico, uh, Hachisiro, Voldor Jr., and Mascara Dorada. And look, I don't keep up with CMLL, but I'll talk about the match they had at Rampage because um, there was this match was fucking good. Like, I thought this match was good. Like, John Moxley never disappoints by putting on good to great matches. Or excellent matches, but... There was a spot where he had the screwdriver. And, you know, Jeff had that... Has a hole in his... In the earlobe. And this reminded me of a spot that happened in WWE. And, I, oh my god, I just... I fucking cringe at that every single time I look at it. Because it's so... Like, it's just so... Oh my god, how would I put it? It's it's so just uh he stuck it right in the ear and just wrenching on it. That, uh, I was legit cringing. Like I'm like, oh my god, what the hell is this? That's all I was like saying. I'm like, what the hell is that? It's just oh my god. <laughs> just thinking about it just <clears throat> creeps me out even further, but John Moxley, he won with the uh, Paradigm Shift, or as I like to call it, the Death Rider. He won with the Death Rider, and the crowd was into this, man. They were into this match. Um, fans were chanting AEW, AEW. Like, New Orleans knows there's... No, it wasn't the Paradigm Shift. It was the Rear Naked Choke, and Jeff Hardy was out. He was literally out after the match. I had to correct myself because you know how my memory is. Now, John Moxley, he wanted to show respect, but Jeff Hardy, he did the the typical no respect. He just fit, put his fist up, like flipped him off. And then you had the CMLL stars attacking Moxley after he provoked them. And that led to um, Daddy Magic, Matt Seidel, um... Christopher Dan Christopher Daniels and I forgot who the other Cool Hand. I'm just calling him Cool Hand. But um they made the save because this was pretty much for the match at um Rampage. This was just to set up their match that they're gonna have with the CMLL stars on Rampage. And Arbery comes out after the match. Like Arby comes out after the first match. And look, I love Arby. I love Aubrey Edwards. And I think she's kind, she's caring, and just so cute. Literally, she looks beautiful in person. And I, I think I stand by that. I think she is so beautiful. Um, Our next match was the dealer's choice. You had Hangman Adam Page against Toa 
against Tor Leona, and I thought this was really good. Now, if there's one thing you should know about a Samoan, if you drop them on their head, you know is they're going to absorb it like it's nothing. Tor Leona, he got dead-eyed, and he's like, I'm like, dead-eyed, he, he gets up, and I'm like, what the hell? And then I realize, oh, oh, he's, um, yeah, no, <laughs> just no. But Hangman Page, he was going for the Buckshot Lariat. And you know I love the Buckshot Lariat. It's one of my favorite uh, moves. But there was, a, there was this point in the match where he, Toa Leona catches uh, Hangman Page, goes for the Samoan drop, but Hangman counters it into a crucifix pin to win. And Toro Leona pulled the inor- the inner Minoru Suzuki by throwing a fit by hitting, like, smashing a chair. And Hangman takes the chair and he just sets it up, sits in the sits on the chair. And just, I, I liked it. I-, I thought it was pretty good. Now, the Young Bucks, Matthew and Nicholas, they arrived earlier. This was earlier today. And... Pretty much the guy hands them the format. He accidentally calls him Matt and Nick Jackson. And the guy got fined. Which I thought was, yeah, typical Matt. Well, typical Nick. (coughs) Now, we had Wardlow taking on Commander. Look, and I, I loved it when Adam Cole came out. And I just screamed Adam. Now, this match was pretty much a dominant win for... Well, it wasn't like a... Literal squash match. I mean, Commander did get some offense in, but we all knew um, Wardlow was winning this match. But Wardlow probably came out of this hurt. Apparently, he might have been injured, apparently, during his match with Commander. And according to... Now, he was favoring his knee after a pair of drop kicks, but continued through the match. He started shaking his knee loose, but the concern wasn't until he powerbombed Commander at the end. And the knee slightly gave out. And I, I did remember that. I did remember that his knee did kind of gave out. And you could see him uttering the, mer- the word fuck. Afterwards, he was limping, slamming his hands on the ring steps. And he did note, he did say he was fine. But Melton and Alvarez said that he's not. Alvarez says, Warlow says he's fine. I have been told he's not fine. And Melton said, I was told that he was hurt. And Alvarez said, I was told he was getting checked out tomorrow. They think it's probably a torn meniscus, but that he dodged a bullet and it wasn't much worse. But if it was a torn meniscus, I think he'll be okay. I think he'll be okay. But um, Warlow, he got a win over... Over Commander. After that, you had the Undisputed Kingdom getting Commander back to the ring, and they were they were about to beat him down when Orange Cassidy's music hit. And oh my God, seeing Orange Cassidy, it puts a smile on my face. Now you had Orange Cassidy, Trent, Rocky Romero, and Chucky T coming down to to make the save, and. Roderick Strong simply says, see you later. And he just leaves. 
I don't know what it is with Undisputed Kingdom, but something, something is just missing. Had not Adam Cole got hurt, this would have been a dominant stable. It, I mean, it kind of is, but it's just, it's just, eh. <clears throat> That's the best way I could say it. It's just, eh. But anyway, we know Strong and Orange Cassidy, that match is literally official at Revolution. And we, I, I still think Roderick Strong is winning the title. I think he's winning the title. But um, there's that. We had a sit-down we had a sit-down interview with Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Nola's own Ricky Starks. Yes, Nola's own Ricky Starks. That's why I got my fucking ticket. Because I wanted to see Ricky Starks being represented, baby. With Sting and Darby Allen face-to-face. Tony Schiavone was in charge of it. No, alt- no altercations. And Starks personally tells Sting, what a journey you had in AEW. But that started with him. The fact that Sting won still doesn't sit right with me. Now, Allen says this is a stepping stone for Starks. He doesn't think he respects anybody, but Starks points out that Allen went out of his way to attach himself to Sting. Starks says he will make sure Sting doesn't make make it to revolution. While he has no respect for Allen, Bill says it's beautiful. All the talking... The challengers have done, but they haven't. They haven't even mentioned them. They overlooked them. They will take out all their frustrations on them next week. Sting says, "Look, I admire Starks for talking smack to him years ago, but you have earned respect." Sting tells Bill he faced many big men, but they were killers, and he's not sure about him yet. Allen says he respects what Starks does, but there's only one person to blame, and that's yourself. Now Starks throws water at Darby Allen, and they Darby Allen gets up and Starks is just daring him. Hit me, hit me! I dare you! Come on, hit me! And and Sting says he always hated talk, and next week they'll hit them. And I thought this was excellent. I thought the sit down was excellent. I I had an, I had a blast watching this. I thought it was really great. And I'm looking forward to their match next week. I think that's going to be really good. We had Chris Jericho taking on Kyle Fletcher. And if anyone was asking, did I sing Judas? Two years ago I did. This time I didn't. I did not sing Judas. <coughs> I remained quiet during the entrance. I remain quiet. And every after people were singing, there was a mixed reaction. Some people were cheering Jericho. Some people were booing Jericho. You could tell. I was there live. It was a mixed reaction. It was a mixed reaction. So Kyle Fletcher and Chris Jericho. Now, this match. I mean, it was fine mostly because of Kyle Fletcher, but Jesus Christ, man. Um... There's one thing I will say about this. There was a spot in the match where they were trying to do the apron brain buster. It looked nasty. Like, it was a terrible, terrible botch. That's the best way I could describe it. It was a terrible botch. And it it did not look good. It did not look good at all. And 
the best thing I could say about it is it's just, it is what it is, man. Like, it just did not reach that level of, hey, it's this is good. No, it's not. It was not good. It's terrible. And not only that, the Chris Jericho storyline with the Don Callis family, I'm just not into it. My brother wasn't into it. I'm not into it. It's just, I don't know if they're just delaying it because Kenny Omega. Like, I don't know what the hell they're doing. Like, and I'm being real when I say this. I don't know what are they doing is the question. What are they doing with this whole storyline? And that's not like a dig at at um Kyle Fletcher and Powerhouse Hobbs. There was so many interferences in this fucking match. Like, literally, there was so many interferences in this fucking match. I, I just, I did not care about it. Like, Jericho won with a jumping Judas effect. He pins the Ring of Honor television champion, Kyle Fletcher. And Konosuke Takeshita appears, which I cheered for because I love Takeshita. I love Takeshita so much. And he just stared at Jericho, who he'll be facing next week. That's the, that's the only thing I can say about it. <clears throat> that's the only thing I can say about it. But other than that, just, eh. That's all I can say. Eh. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. Um, now they did had Bang Bang Scissor Gang, which, look, I thought it was fun. But when you look back at, like, no, 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 no. Like, putting my criticism aside, putting my criticism aside as a fan, I had fun. I had so much fun watching the acclaim. I love the acclaim. I don't care what anybody says. The acclaim is awesome, but you have two people who are currently holding trios titles, two people holding trios titles. Um, all I can say on that is it's, it is, uh, literally just to get the crowd hype. It was a segment they did. If you're not down with that, we got two words for you. Everybody said, suck it. I said guns up because <clears throat> that's at the other place. You can say it at the other place, but not here. But um, the sh the show that segment. I mean, it was a segment. That's all I can say. It was a segment, but it was fun. We did the scissoring, and I loved it when when he said "scissor me, daddy ass." I scissored. I did the scissoring with my bro, who was behind me. But I have fun. But now we get to the criticism. Was the segment necessary? It was not necessary. But was it a way to get um, your Ring of Honor's six-man champions and your AEW Trios champions on the show? Yes. Was there a better way you could do... Now, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with those titles. I, I just don't know. It's coming to a point where I'm just saying they don't need the titles anymore. They don't. They don't. Whether you want to admit it or not, they don't. <laughs> they don't need those titles. It's not even worth it. It's not worth it. That's the best way I can say it. It's not worth it. We had Deanna Perrazzo and Tyre Val Valkyrie. I got to mention Tony Storm, man. Her entrance. <laughs> when she comes out, everybody was cheering for Tony Storm. And just the way she just rolls at rigs, like she was rolling, standing up, doing the pose. Tony Storm ha has been the best character 
in the AEW women's division. I don't care what anybody says. Whether you want to admit it or not. Whether you want to admit it or not. Her. Like. Like her. um, <laughs> Her character is the best thing about the. Uh, the women's division. And. The match with Deanna and Taya, I mean, it was it was okay. It was fine for what it was, but Deanna, she got the win and pretty much <coughs> excuse me. This is just setting up for her and her and uh Tony at Revolution. That's the direction they're going with. And and this should be a good match. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be bad. I think it's gonna be a good match. That's the best way I could say it. Now we go to Renee Paquette, who is backstage with Darby Allen, and she's asking about his admiration for the Young Bucks. Now, he's confused, but the team appears showing that they're forcing the situation. They ask why Allen is allowing Sting to take money from him. And they have an idea for a new gimmick for Allen, which is for him to be this trio. Nick ja Nicholas Jackson says... He's being unprofessional by dodging them. And Allen says the titles are the only thing that's on his mind. And clearly, clearly they're building towards the Young Bucks. And like they're building towards the Young Bucks and CM, not CM Punk, the Young Bucks and, uh, and um, Sting. No, Young Bucks. Versus Sting and Darby Allen for the tag titles at Revolution. That is the direction they're going with. Now we get to the main event. We had Swerve Strickland. Swerve Strickland. There was no Prince Nana. Which made me sad. Everybody in that arena was doing the Prince Nana. When I, and the theme is fucking catchy. Like When there's a wrestling theme that is so damn catchy. You just gotta do the damn dance. You gotta do the damn dance. It's... It's a force of habit. It is a force of habit. But Swerve Strickland took on RVD. And this match was a hardcore match. And Rob Van Dam can go. He can fucking go. But um, I thought this was a really good main event. I thought this was a strong main event with Swerve Strickland getting the win. After the match, Hangman Page appears and says, I assume... Soon they're top of the rankings list when it comes to out when it comes out tonight. Paige tells Strickland that he will never let him be the world champion because he's the next world champion. Strickland points out that I've beaten you twice, which is true. And I you, and he has nothing to prove. But Paige thinks it's because Strickland doesn't think he can lace his boots. And this fired up Swerve Strickland. And he says, I'm going to face you next week one more time. And after that, we're done. And it's made official. So next week, the winner will challenge Joe at AEW Revolution. And I still think this is going to be... Um, <clears throat> it's going to be one of those double finish... Like double count outs or some shit like that that sets up a triple threat match. Um, I could definitely see that being the case. I think that is the direction that they're going to go with. But um, I thought Dynamite was a good show. Now, I was at Rampage. Now, they did the taping for Rampage. 
Tony Khan, he was out hyping the crowd while the ring crew was setting up for Rampage. And everybody in that arena was chanting pay-per-view. And look, boss, Tony, listen to me. Listen to me, dude. You hear my city? Do you hear my people? We want a pay-per-view down here. We want a pay-per-view down here. And I think it's perfect either for the end of 2024 or the beginning of 2025. I think it is long overdue. And he's like, I'll think about it. He knows. Tony Khan knows. <coughs> we do want a pay-per-view here in Louisiana. I want to experience my very first AEW pay-per-view. And I'm going to get my ticket before it sells out. But I but I hope that um, TK is aware of that. He constantly says he loves the city. You love the city so much. Give us a fucking pay-per-view. But anyway, Rampage. I enjoyed Rampage. I thought it was good. We had um, Private Party versus Top Flight. I thought this was a really, really good match with Top Flight getting the win. And I enjoyed it. I thought this was great. Um, You had Darby Allen coming out to commentate for the Dark Order versus our boy Ricky Starks. This was a homecoming for Ricky Starks and Big Bill. And people were chanting, who that? Who that? Who that says going to beat Ricky? It's a, trip, it's a typical New Orleans thing because it's a NOLA tradition. Who that said we're going to beat them Saints? Every NFL season when we start, like, I work the Saints game, I'm going to let y'all know. Every time we start a Saints game, we always started off with, who that, who that, who that say they're going to beat them Saints? Every time I work a Saints game when, they, when it's down here in their home turf. But um, this was, a, this was another good match with Ricky and Bill getting the win, which makes sense because they have to have the momentum. And I agree with my brother on one thing. This should have been on Dynamite. This should have been on Dynamite. Um, and I mean this in all the nicest way possible. The Jericho-Kyle Fletcher match should have been on Rampage. Because half of the people did not even give a shit about it. Half of the people did not care about it. And that's understandable because the storyline is so boring. But the, the match here was good. We had Willow Nightingale taking on Queen Amanita. <coughs> And I thought this was pretty good with um, Willow getting the win. I I enjoyed this match. Uh, we had 2.0, Matt Seidel, and Christopher Daniels. Yeah, it was Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Christopher Daniels, and Matt Seidel taking on Mystical Volador Jr. I don't know if I pronounced this right. Hachetsido... And Mascara Dorada. This was awesome. I thought this was an awesome main event. Literally. This was an awesome, awesome main event. And I'm really happy that I got to see some Lucha Libre action. Which the CMLL stars, they got the win. And I believe it was Vol Volador Jr. who pinned Christopher Daniels. And it was a fun, it was a fun night, man. It was really a fun night. I enjoyed it. I had a great time. And it, it's a great time to be a pro wrestling fan. That's the thing I love about it. It's I love being a pro wrestling fan. And 
I liked it. This was good. This is good. And it was it was fun, man. It was fun. Like if you never experienced um if you never experienced AEW, go ahead. The like I say it all the time, the energy <coughs> um the energy is amazing. The energy is fantastic. And being a part of it, that's what I love about pro wrestling. That's what I love about pro wrestling. It's the energy. No matter what promotion you go, no matter what promotion uh, you go, always, always have fun. That's the best thing I can say about it. Just always have fun. Now we get to Okada. Let's talk about Okada because he is now a free agent. Now he recently filed a, a trademark for Kazuchika Okada. Now the pro wrestling t-shirts, his shirt, like all of his shows are going to be down on pro wrestling tees. So the Topps New Japan star had an attorney, Michael Dawkins, file for the trademark with the USPTO for the purpose of merchandise service. And he's marked for Okada, Kazuchika Okada. Trademark registration is intended to cover the categories of hats, shirts, socks, uh, and short sleeve shirts, sweatshirts, hooded sweatshirts. And his deal is up. He's now a free agent and he has interest from both AEW and WWE. Now, speaking of which, AEW has made a stronger offer last week and it was said that AEW being seen as more likely of a landing spot for Okada than WWE. It was added that there's very little, if any, talks between Okada and WWE. Uh, Sean Rossap of FIFA Select reported that New Japan and sources have claimed that there's been amicable between the two sides. Regarding WWE, <clears throat> there's been talks between the two sides. Okada reached out to those on the roster to gauge his offers, WWE's approach, and help him weigh a decision. Regarding AEW, they've been fairly confident over the last month that they will land him to a point where they put tentative plans in place for his official debut, something that was made a month ago. They were told that AEW made what they consider a substantial offer. Okada has been in contact with Barry Bloom about representing him, and he has yet to sign with anyone. Now, the belief with WWE, according to The Observer, Dave Meltzer noted that those in WWE believe it comes down to whether Okada wants to come to the promotion, and if he does, he will follow through despite the higher AEW offer. This is what he said. This is what Melsa said. The impression <coughs> I got is AEW has the higher offer, and WWE has gone with the idea that if Okada wants to come to WWE, he'll come to WWE. Both sides have, you can go look at it on paper, despite on what Okada is, basically depends on what his goal is right now in life. If his goal is to have a most worldwide exposure at the point of his career, then WWE is the place to go. 
the build-up name, WWE, the place to go and make the most money possible. AEW, the place to go to have the best matches possible. AEW, place to go is to have the best schedule. AEW is the place to go. Whether he wants, if his goal was fame, then you got, got one way. If his goal is money, you're going on to go the other way. Whose goal is it to have the most good matches? You go the other way. If you're talking about your body and you want to have it easy, have it the easiest, that's the debatable one. AEW, you be talking about hard, harder his style of wrestling, but not as many matches. Now, I would not be lying to you guys if I told you that I am intrigued to see how WWE would book Okada in their promotion. And I still believe, and this is just me, I still believe that um, Okada in WWE would be intriguing. Now, I would also say the fact that you can have <coughs> you can have uh, Okada appear in let's see in uh, WWE like look at Nakamura and I know people would say oh he having him come to um, WWE it's a big mistake it's a big mistake for him because he's gonna start in NXT which Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't it the same place where Nakamura started? Isn't that the same place? I think he will be well fit on NXT if just to teach him the WWE system. Now, I would not be surprised if he shows up on NXT Vengeance Day in a crowd, which I highly doubt it. I highly doubt that's going to happen. But I still think his landing spot is going to be in AEW. I think that's the landing spot for Okada. Whether some people want to admit it or not, I mean, that's where he'll be landed. And there's that. But, and not only that, he could go back to New Japan anytime he wants, but and that also defeats the purpose of Forbidden Door anyway, because you signed Will Ospreay, who wrestled in New Japan. You, you're about to get Mercedes Monet. And you're about to get Okada. That's three big signings in the beginning of 2024. Because if you remember, Tony Khan said 2024 is going to be a big year. Then in 2021, if I'm correct, <clears throat> he got Brian Danielson. He got Adam Cole. Like, he got Ruby Soho. Even though she does, she's not doing much. Like, he got some of the big names that came out of the other promotion. But I cannot lie and tell you that I would love to see Okada. Like, I think Okada is going to AEW, but I think it would be intriguing to see what he does under the booking of Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Nick Khan. And I would like to see it. I think that would be intriguing. And I know you guys would be intrigued too. But we'll see where he lands. But I firmly believe he's going to AEW. Yes, I'm talking to you. 
Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others? What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream, and uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me and gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their lives are, how their lives are going, and you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got it's been four years since I got back into streaming. You know, like I was the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do. And you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday. Make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. Just Shino Phoenix. And you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, make sure you make an account. And you get to do great things as well. So again, make sure you follow me, Twitch. TV slash Shino Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now back to our daily show. Oh my my! Somebody has been a very naughty, naughty. Naughty! Out of touch old mon. And I wanted to start things big because my goodness, man, this just keeps getting worse and worse and worse for Vince McMahon. Now, Janel Grant's attorney um, is not the only... Janel Grant is not the only person who signed an NDA because of Vince McMahon. Now... More people are going to be coming forward because, just to give y'all the quick one down, Vince, he resigned from TKO. He's lost all of his position. She alleges McMahon coerced her into engaging in sexual activities with himself and other men and allegedly shared explicit photos of the victims with various men inside and outside of the company, including former WWE slash UFC champion. Which they might be mentioning Brock Lesnar. McMahon was forced to step down from his role in the company last year due to a hush money scandal. Two years, two years ago, report came out regarding McMahon paying upwards of $12 million to four women in the 16-year span to shut down allegations coming out of a sexual misconduct and infidelity. WWE was investigating a secret $3 million settlement to pay to an employee with whom he allegedly had an affair. McMahon was subpoenaed by the federal agents in August of 2023 regarding the payments. While speaking on the News Nation, Ann Callis, who is Grant's attorney, claimed there could be more victims coming forward due to the allegations and civil lawsuit brought against the parties involved. Now, Callis said 
that her office and inbox have been barraged by people wanting to come forward to attest to the culture of corruption and also possible victims. She said it's been overwhelming. Callis asked why they filed the lawsuit now. She said it was a process. It was an approach from our legal team <clears throat> and to our also our client. It was it was a archaic, long, symmetric drive to get the best complaint we possibly could. She added, we are going against the WWE, a multi-million dollar corporation who turned a blind eye to what was happening there to, Jan to Janel. Callis said that the only weapon they had was the real facts that they put in the suit to even the playing field. When asked whether other people will be in the suit and if other people know what, of what Grant alleges, she says no matter if it's a regular public about the NDAs that everyone has heard who has followed this story, so she has no more knowledge than that. But our hope is, and her hope is to by coming out, by stepping forward, by bringing these, com bringing these complaints and putting her face to the complaint that other victims of Vince McMahon and the WWE will end up becoming public, and she wants to help them find their voice and get justice, and she thinks and hopes by doing this, she will. And I could definitely see that being the case, but it gets worse because the Wall Street Journal <clears throat> dropped a bomb on Friday morning they are reporting the sexual assault and sex trafficking um, allegations made by Vince McMahon are being investigated by the prosecutors in New York who have been in contact with the women who have, who have accused the former WWE CEO. Now, last summer, a search warrant was executed for McMahon's phone, and he was issued a subpoena related to the allegations of rape sex trafficking, sexual assault, commercial sex transactions, harassment, or discrimination. And the Wall Street Journal notes that the grand jury um, subpoenaed names Grant and at least four other women who entered the settlement agreement with McMahon over sexual misconduct and the women have been interviewed by prosecutors. Per the Wall Street Journal, the other women named in the grand jury subpoena included a WWE contractor whom McMahon allegedly sent unsolicited nude photos and sexually harassed a former, <clears throat> a former WWE wrestler who said McMahon coerced her into giving him oral sex a former referee, Rita Chatterton, who publicly accused McMahon of raping her. A spa manager who said McMahon assaulted her at the Southern California Resort. And a former WWE employee who alleged the head of talent relations at the company at the time, John Laurinaitis, demoted her after she broke off an affair with him. <coughs> now, John Laurinaitis, people poor! Oh, people power! Oh, people 
John Laurinaitis, that guy, he's denied the wrongdoing and claims to be the victim. I've heard this song and dance so many times. When you are accused of something, you are going to play the victim card. You got to love it. You got to love it. People love it. I just love it when people play the victim card because they know they are in deep shit. They know that. They know it. Even Laurinaitis knows it. Hell, even the Bella Twins. Even the Bella Twins literally released a statement, which we will get into in a second. But he, McMahon has denied, like he claimed to be the victim of Vince McMahon. Yeah. Now, McMahon has denied Chatterton and Grant's allegations. But what's really interesting, and this is interesting in my, the way I look at it, he has yet to deny the allegations by the other women. Which makes it intriguing because clearly he knew he did this shit. He knew that he did this shit. McMahon, he resigned. You guys know the song and dance. He resigned after the lawsuit was filed. But there was a big report from Fightful Select. And I'm going to read this in details because if you're not subscribed to Fightful Select, you're missing out on all the all of their really good news. <coughs> In my honest opinion. <clears throat> but this is what this is what FIFO Select reported. And this is a free report. Let me let me tell you, this is a free report from FIFO Select. So here's the details behind Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis. The Vince McMahon John Laurinaitis situation aren't going anywhere, going away anytime soon. In addition to the lawsuit, federal investigations were revealed for the former WWE owner and his longtime crony, John Laurinaitis. Fightful Select was told earlier this week by longtime employees that they personally expected McMahon to be eventually charged because if the feds raided Vince and got his phone, they'll almost surely find something. Fightful has spoken with a number of people within the industry, at least one of which claims they know more people involved. They've been contacted by reporters, attorneys, and the like already, and have indicated that if the additional names involved aren't identified, they'll do it themselves. FIFO has spoken with multiple mainstream outlets. They are looking to navigate the wrestling landscape and collect info. We proceeded, no, we provided some of that to them upon request. A long time employee of WWE says that they don't even believe that the lawsuit is the worst of it, pointing to higher settlements. FIFO can confirm that other potential victims have been identified and contacted by attorneys and media outlets to see if they want to take actions. Laurinaitis himself has turned on Vince McMahon and what one person who referred to themselves as a longtime former friend, and Laurinaitis called rats jumping off the sink and ship. Laurinaitis' attorney has reached out to several in the industry and what many believe is his team trying to find allies or find out who has, t who has talked to, 
who to help gauge his best options moving forward. There's still a heavy speculation over the source that the original Wall Street Journal leaks was something and it could have been Grant and others believing it was a higher up in, higher up in WWE. It is believed that TKO became very aware of the mess um, on their hands after the merger. And one source believes they would have handled the rollout much differently had they been aware something like this was imminent. However, they were very aware as of last week when McMahon was present at the NYSC regarding the Netflix deal. No talent that we've spoken to have had a wide talent meeting or claimed <clears throat> or claimed they have been briefed on the situation at hand. Instead, instead the referee no, instead the reactions we're hearing is that it appears higher ups wants to move on past Vince McMahon, and put him in the rear view. There are talents that um, we've heard from that believe <coughs> that Vince McMahon is delusional enough to try to work his way back into some kind of role. However, however, it has been reiterated to several talent that Vince McMahon was done and has no path to returning to the company. And WWE largely is attempting to disassociate. Now, though Brock Lesnar was not identified in the suit, he was referenced. And since then, his creative has been halted. He was born in Tampa, did not work the Royal Rumble, is not working the Elimination Chamber against Dominic Mysterio um, as planned. Or working with Gunther at WrestleMania, which was as planned. There are no creative plans at play for Brock Lesnar at the moment. It was relayed to Fightful that this doesn't mean we'll never see him again as the situation isn't as cut as dry as others. This keeps getting worse. And worse and worse for Vince McMahon. And it's just embarrassing. Like, we all, every podcaster that I listened to, everybody said that he was going to die in a chair. He was going to die in a chair. He wasn't going to lose his power. He's going to die in a chair because he's a selfish old man who doesn't want to give up his power because it's the typical Vince McMahon approach because Vince is a selfish old man. He is selfish. He was born selfish. And now here we are. This allegation coming out. <clears throat> he is literally no longer in power. Now, Nikki and Bree actually released a statement on Made Against Vince McMahon and their stepfather, John Laurinaitis. And this is what they said. We are shocked and disheartened with the recent allegation against the members of the WWE it has been a lot to process since we found out this past week, just like you did. This is something we don't stand for or condone from anyone, no matter who they are. We want all women to feel safe and supported in their workplace and in their everyday lives. And 
That is the statement that they made. And if I'm, and I think Nikki and Bree's mom is dating, is married or dating John Laurinaitis. I'm Nikki's mom. I would cut ties with him permanently. Permanently. That's just me. And so much so, WWE, like, you want to know how bad it is? The Rock is appearing to be distancing himself away from Vince McMahon. Now, like, if you scroll through the photos, you'll see a group of shot. You see a group shot of the top executives and TKO. And noticeably absent is Vince McMahon, who is who was part of the festivities before the lawsuit was filed. Now, McMahon was nowhere to be seen if you look at his Instagram posts. Literally, nowhere to be seen because he's been cut off. And that's that's evidence that uh, The Rock is appearing to be distancing himself away from Vince. And WWE, they're attempting to distance themselves away from the CEO and chairman Vince McMahon. Now, Dave Meltzer discussed on The Observer that the interest going into the past Monday's episode of Raw due to McMahon's lawsuit news, the Royal Rumble fallout, and CM Punk's injury news. Uh, Meltzer pointed out that unlike the last time McMahon was removed from WWE due to the hush money scandal, he got a send-off as Stephanie McMahon led a thank you Vince chant. This time, he was erased by the company and was not mentioned at all over the weekend. No shit. No shit. He he doesn't deserve to be mentioned. Like, good riddance. Good riddance. They had to get rid of this guy. Like, he's not coming back. What he is going to be, he's going to be locked up. They're not going to let you out. They won't let you out. Like, and more people are going to come forward with more allegations about what the fuck you did. And it's so, it's it really drives me insane. Like, it drives me insane that... Like, people will really get away with shit like this. This is this is why, and I said this in the last episode, I'm going to say it again. This is why I hate it when people use their power to do what they want to do. And Laura Nida should have saw it coming. You're friends with the guy, right? You're friends with the guy. You should have seen this coming a mile away. And now you're going to claim that you're the victim of McMahon? Get the fuck out of here, dude. You were doing the same fucking shit. You were doing the same shit, and now you're you're trying to play victim? The fuck out of here, bruh. The fuck out of here with your bullshit and your lies. Like, literally, the fuck out. Like, you deserve, like, honestly, you, my friend, no, not even my friend, you creep. You deserve to suffer the same punishment as Vince McMahon. And that punishment is... Getting the fuck locked up. Because <clears throat> that's where Vince is going to be. He's going to be locked up. He has nobody to blame but himself. Nobody to blame but himself. I don't want to hear no defense. I don't want to hear none of that shit. And the people who also knew about this, they need to be held accountable as well. Like, it's a stain that's not going to leave WWE. It's a stain that's not going to leave this company. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's a stain that's going to be stuck with them for the rest of their lives. It's going to be stuck with them. You could try to erase Vince McMahon out of 
out of WWE. You could try all of that shit, but I'm telling you right now, that is a stain that's going to be stuck in your ass. And for the past few fucking decades, you should have seen the signs right there. And now, here we are. Here we are. We th like we really thought that he was going to stay in the chair until he dies. Now he doesn't have the power. He's not going to come back. He is not going to come back and you know what? It's better for the it's better for the company. Just <clears throat> I hope all these women come out and tell the stories about about what Vince is doing. And it's going to be the betterment to see justice being served. And I think that's what's going to happen. Justice will be served. Just my honest take. And he's getting locked up. Like, th there is really not much else I could say about it. But, um, there's that. Now, let's talk about The Rock. Now, I mentioned The Rock trying to distance himself away from Vince. Apparently, Rock versus Roman Reigns is still happening. Now, Dave Meltzer noted in The Observer that WWE's going forward with Rhodes versus Reigns, but they're still planning to do Rock and Roman at some point in 2024. <coughs> SummerSlam. <coughs> SummerSlam. Or <coughs> Saudi Arabia. It's unclear what that exactly means for WrestleMania, as there's been speculation that each match could take place each night, with Reigns working back-to-back, -back, which, honestly, that is a stupid idea. Now, the plan is going to be Cody and Roman in a singles match. And Dwayne is coming. Dwayne, Roman, Reigns match, whatever it is. Whenever it is, it is still happening. I just don't know where. And Brian, you may know where because you probably know discussions that I may, not, I may know too. I can't talk about them. But anyway, the point is that it is still happening. I say it takes place at SummerSlam. That, like, that's what I would do. It. I would do it at SummerSlam. I think that's the destination for Roman and The Rock. And yes, it should be a WrestleMania match. You could save it for next year's WrestleMania, but I would do it at SummerSlam. They might do it at Saudi Arabia. I think it's going to be at SummerSlam. That's the destination. Because that's your second biggest pay-per-view in your company. It's literally the WrestleMania SummerSlam. It is the summer of WrestleMania. Now... Moving on, let's talk about Money in the Bank. Trish Stratus is open to return because Money in the Bank is going to be taking place in Toronto. And it's a three-day. You got SmackDown, Money in the Bank, and um, NXT Heat Wave. So Toronto's going to have a lot of fun at the Social Bank Arena. <clears throat> now, she was interviewed by Alex McCarthy of Inside the Ropes. And Stratus noticed she's open to another in-ring return. She says, I'll listen. It's my continuous thing I've said I, since I retired. If it's the right moment, you know. Um, if it's something that makes sense, it's will the fans like it? Is it going to be with someone I can? I can advance it. I can, you know, I want to do something like, you know, coming back and working with Zoe for me personally was great because it was another layer and like Becky doesn't need my rub, but it was an interesting feud. And it's something that two characters you saw were a fantasy matchup, generational face-off, unique. You never think you could see that and you got to see that 
So that was great. So check that box. Bringing in Zoe for me helped because I really felt like I wanted to not just be there selfishly for me. I want to be able to like, you know, give her something. And she was so great. And she added so many, so much to her stories. Questions, questionable actions at the end, of course. You know what I'm saying. Nonetheless, yeah, so that was a great element. I always ask if I could check those boxes. Um, if I can add something different and make something um, interesting with a unique approach to a different character, then I'll do it. I also say that as long as I can go, um, I can one, I can go 100%. I'm never going to come back and be like, listen, I'm going to do this, but not... I'm only going to at I'm only at 60%. So, I'm going to do only like half my moves. I'm not going to give you I'm not going to do that. I want to give you 100%. I never know until I get it. Now, she continues on by saying she noted that she has a torn hamstring during her WrestleMania match and wasn't 100% healthy. WWE is going to be in Toronto, which is in Trish's hometown. And she is open to listening to hearing an idea. So that's been my approach every time. You know, if I if I can't, if they call, if the call comes, you know, this is May or June or July. When, when is it July? I think it is. If the call comes, I have to check those boxes. Can I still go? I'll get in the ring. I'll see where I'm at. And then I'll see what the idea is. I'm all, it's always about creative and making sure that it's something that will stratify the fans. I see what you did there. Satisfy, stratify, and be something exciting and different. I could see Trish returning at Money in the Bank. Like, I mean, it would be a nice reaction. I could see her competing at Money in the Bank. That's another good idea. I think that would be perfect. But, um... I don't know, man. I think that would be a really smart idea to have Trish <coughs> and Money in the Bank with Chelsea Green, who is also a Canadian as well. Um, I, I think there would be a nice dynamic if you do that. I think she might be in the women's Money in the Bank match, or she might just have a one-on-one -on -one match. You never know. But we'll see what the mindset is on if they have plans for uh, Trish heading into Money in the Bank. And if there's any info, I will let you guys know on that. But it would be intriguing because the place in Toronto will blow up if that happens. Now, the Elimination Chamber is around the corner. And fans have been wondering who Rhea Ripley will be wrestling at WrestleMania. Something that will be determined at the Elimination Chamber event. Mike Johnson of PW Insider reports that there will be a women's chamber match where the winner will get a shot at Ripley's title at WrestleMania. The two front runners to face Ripley are Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan, indicating they will be in the match. And if that's the case, then you already know Bayley is challenging Io for the Women's Championship at uh, WrestleMania, which makes sense. And I will do the... I will excommunicate... Bailey out of damage control. We get the baby face Bailey that we all want to see. Because look, Bailey is a selfless worker. She cares to put other people over. And that's what she's been doing. 
And she should be rewarded for that. She got rewarded for winning the Rumble. And her facing Io at WrestleMania? I think that would be a great match. Now, it depends if Io's going to hold on to the title. Because I think Io's had a great run with the title. I could see Bayley winning it. Or I could see her putting over Io to give her her WrestleMania moment. <clears throat> Anything's possible. But as for who challenges Rhea Ripley, I could see it being Becky Lynch. I think that's the destination they're going with. Or I could see them going with Liv Morgan because the story is right there. The story is right there. You took me out of action. And it writes itself. Liv Morgan could have a big case to challenge Rhea at WrestleMania, which I do not mind at all. I like it. I think this is a good idea. Now, let's talk about Drew McIntyre. Apparently, he still hasn't signed a new deal with the company yet because his contract is set to expire after WrestleMania. And... And Meltzer added, I was surprised that they don't have McIntyre under contract for his return. So it was a great promo work. He could be staying. I, I think he's staying. Like, and I still stand by that. I think Drew McIntyre is staying. No doubt about it. And I got to mention Drew McIntyre when we talk Monday Night Raw because honestly, he has become one of my favorite acts on um, Monday Night Raw. His character is fucking great. Just fucking great. And I loved every second of it. But um, I think he's staying. I honestly think he is staying with uh, with WWE. Now, another name that we have... A name that we have not seen in a while who I thought was going to be in the Rumble was Sonya Deville. Now, Sonya Deville, she's currently out with an ACL belt. And she should be... And she's going to be out for 9 to 12 months. Now, DeVille resolved the gun charge as she was facing one count of unlawful weapon possessions, a handgun without a permit. DeVille revealed during the Tampa Bay Times that she's, film she's filming a movie titled DNA Secrets in Florida, where she plays a police officer. The story noted the movie is about an antique store owner who opens a Pandora's box by gifting DNA kits to relatives. Several family members were killed, and the store owner realized that she could be next on the list. As she gets closer to the truth, she discovers that she is at the center of the situation that has put her entire family in danger. And this is going to be interesting. I mean, I'm really happy for Sonya Deville to get this role. And just seeing her do other things, man, like... Venturing on into acting. Uh, and now she's playing a police officer. That's cool. And I, I do miss Sonya Deville. I hope. That she. Comes back. And I hope that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. That everything is going well for her. So. Once Sonya Deville comes back. I cannot wait to see the dynamic with. Her, Chelsea Green, and Piper Niven. That's going to be intriguing. Intriguing. And I love it. Now, we do have more news. Bruce Pritchard, he has undergone tricep surgery. And Thompson noted that Pritchard having tricep surgery 
and they hope to record a podcast on Sunday. So everybody is dealing with tricep injuries left and right. And I hope uh, everything, I hope the surgery went well for, uh, for, um, for Bruce Pritchard here. I love you. That Bruce. <clears throat> now here's some good news. WWE has changed the start time for WrestleMania. And <clears throat> the news dropped on WrestleVotes. They reported the show has been moved up an hour with the likely two-hour pre-show. Sources st- states WWE has made the decision to ch- change the WrestleMania start time. The main call will now begin at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is 6 p.m. here, Central. And the kickoff will be starting at 4, which... No, 5 p.m. Eastern, which is 4 p.m. Central here for both nights. And that's good. And that's good on the U.K. crowd as well. That's good on the U.K. crowd. That way they don't have to be up all late and all that shit. But I'm really happy for that. I think that's a good move. And you think the... And moving on, let... Before we talk Monday Night Raw, they have discontinued, WWE has discontinued 99.9% of all Brock Lesnar merchandise. And if you saw in the WWE shop, they placed 99% of Lesnar's merchandise on discount. This comes after PW Insider reported Lesnar will be downplayed and potentially removed from WWE licensed content moving forward. Um... The media outlet noted that they were told by sources that going forward, Lesnar is off the table of all creative pitches. And yeah, it's not looking good for Brock too. Cause this whole story is just continuing to get worse and worse as the time goes on. Monday night raw, the fallout of the Royal rumble. This took place at the Alma line arena in Tampa, Florida. And Overall, I thought it was a pretty good show. I thought it was really good. And um, some, and we had something new that came, and that is Pat McAfee. He is officially... He is officially a part of Monday Night Raw. And that means one thing. That means... um, Like, that really means that he's... Wade Barrett is going to be on SmackDown. So that means that's that's the commentary team. McAfee and Cole, which honestly, they work so well together. And it's going to be interesting. Wade Barrett is going to be on SmackDown. So PW Insider reports the plan is for Barrett to be paired with Corey Graves on the SmackDown team. And... Graves being the new lead announcer, while Barrett would remain a color commentator, commentator, which I like it. I think that would be really good. But that's the new thing they added. And I like it. Now, CM Punk, he kicks off the show. And Punk says, I came really close to winning the Men's Royal Rumble on Saturday. And he felt like he had it in the palm of his hands. He says, not... I'm not mad at anybody, but I congratulate Cody Rhodes and says he earned this win and ha- and hopes he can finish his story in Philadelphia. He says, while I came close, close doesn't count in the wrestling business. He says I feel he feels a little bit unlucky after ter- 
tearing his right tricep in the Royal Rumble and says as much as he wants to push through it, it's not in the cards for him. He says he doesn't want anyone to feel sorry for him. And although it has been his dream to main event WrestleMania, it might not be meant for him to do. <coughs> he, and this is where he gets really personal. He talks about his friend Chad Gilbert about and how he's able to remain positive through cancer. He says all he has is a flesh wound. And when he says he's the best in the world, it's not because he always wins, but because he does what scares him. He says it scared him to come back after 10 years when he left the place that he didn't want to. And this is just a bump in the road for him. He says he doesn't focus on negativity. And he says he'll keep going like the fans who work hard to who who work hard do. Punk says there's always be next year, which brings out Drew McIntyre. And oh my God, Drew McIntyre, he comes in, um, he says some terrible things. I said some terrible things about Punk, and while I meant them, he reiterates that he had his dreams taken from him too. And despite not knowing what he believes in, he prayed for this to happen. <laughs> Such a dick, and I love it. I love, I love it. <coughs> like, he says, I targeted Punk in the Rumble, and he couldn't sleep when Punk eliminated him. And when he heard the news of Punk's torn tricep, he slept like a baby. He says, he'll go to the main event of WrestleMania and live out Punk's dream for the second time in his corner. I love this side of Drew McIntyre. It is the greatest thing that I have ever, ever seen in my life. Like Drew McIntyre, like I, I will I will preach it to the choir. I will preach it to everybody. Drew is so like he is such a dick. Like literally, he is such a dick, and I love it. That's what makes me happy. He he just knows how to be an asshole. <laughs> He knows how to be an asshole. Punk says, I'm going to go to rehab. I'm going to go rehab this tricep. Main event WrestleMania 41. But before I go do that, I'm coming for McIntyre. So they begin brawling. McIntyre hits the Glasgow kiss on Punk. Stomps on the injured tricep before Sami Zayn runs down to make the save. And that forces McIntyre to retreat. This was great. I thought this segment was great. I enjoyed this. And I loved every second of it. I really loved every, every second of it. This was so good. So fucking good. <coughs> and that's just a fact of life, man. Now, it's unfortunate with CM Punk's injury. That pretty much derailed every uh, plan for... For... um. WrestleMania, because I guaranteed had he not got injured, he would have wrestled Seth Rollins in main event at WrestleMania. So hopefully, I wish CM Punk well. 
I hope the surgery, well, I hope he recovers in time. And once he recovers, that's who he's going to be feuding with. He's going to be feuding with Drew McIntyre. And I like it. I like it. I think that's a good idea. I think that's a great idea. I, and the story's right there when they come back. We had the undisputed tag team championships on the line as Judgment Day defended their titles against DIY. This was great. This was a great match, and the crowd was into it. So much so, they gave them a This Is Awesome chant. And what I loved about this, what I loved about this, and this is just me being real, I love the fact that this was the best way to get DIY over. And they may have lost. They may have lost. But... Here's the here's a good thing about this. Um what I love is the fact that it's not their time yet. I think they're saving the title win at WrestleMania, which honestly would make the most sense. If you're booking this, it would make the most sense. But this was a great great match and they almost came close to beating Judgment Day. What what would be a better way to get their moment at WrestleMania? And I love every second of that. I love every second of it. Now, after the match, you got Dominic and JD celebrating with Priest and Balor after a successful title defense. And Priest says fans have seen a different side of Judgment Day for weeks. And he wants to thank the one person, R-Truth. He invites him to the ring. And Truth comes in, and Truth asks the WWE Universe to rise for the Judgment Day. And says, I haven't been able to sleep since what happened at the Rumble. <coughs> he tells Priest, I moved around his finances for him. And Priest says, Judgment Day is like family. Truth says, he's been saying that. He's calling Priest his older brother, Balor a weird uncle, <laughs> questions... What else can be said about Dominic Mysterio and compares McDonough to a stepbrother they don't want in the family? <laughs> That's just, this is great writing. Preach cuts, he cuts truth off and says, look, you were never part of the group. He says, I always liked you and won't be the one to do this, but McDonough, he attacks, JD McDonough, he attacks R-Truth and you got Judgment Day taking out R-Truth. The Miz comes down to even the odds, but to no avail. To no avail. And and pretty much, uh, how would I put this? This was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm trying to clear my throat. So, but the numbers game, it was... Pretty much all that it's worth. And it seems like we're getting awesome truth against... If I could just see how they booked this at WrestleMania, they could do awesome truth versus DIY versus Judgment Day. And I don't know where they're going to go with this. They could give it to Miz and, and our truth But I think DIY is winning the titles at WrestleMania. I think that's the destination that we're heading. But I, I like this. I thought this was pretty good. We had Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark taking on 
Piper Niven, and Chelsea Green. And I thought this was a decent match. I mean, this this was a decent match. Really not much I could say about it. But um, Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark, they got the win in this match. Um, and I, I don't know what else to say. Just, just that. Uh, now we get to Cody Rhodes, the 2024 Royal Rumble winner. And he acts so a Tampa. What do you want to talk about? And he's like, I have something in mind. He says, it was music to my ears hearing Samantha Irvin call me the winner of the 2023 and 2024 Men's Royal Rumble match. And he wants her to do it again, and she does. <coughs> but he says, the exception on WWE is to give everyone the best action they can to provide an escape. He says, sometimes people don't realize that superstars need an escape too. And says the last 24 hours have been challenging for him. He says he needed fans on Saturday before he can continue any further. Seth Rollins comes out and he makes his way down to the ring, tells Rhodes that Tampa is right and cheering for Rhodes because he deserves it. And while they haven't always seen eye to eye, they've developed a mutual respect for one another. He congratulates Cody on winning the Rumble and shakes his hand and says, Rhodes would be making a mistake to fight Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship at WrestleMania. He tells Rhodes he thinks he should fight him instead and tells him, hear me out. He, Rollins recalls hearing Rhodes call himself the guy during the Royal Rumble press conference. He says Rhodes isn't the guy, nor is Reigns, because he is, and says it made, it made sense after going after Reigns when there was only one world champion. He says he knows all of Reigns thought about for the past year is Reigns. Like Rhodes thought, has thought about Reigns for the past year, but He's been on the road with him as he's defended the World Heavyweight Championship week in and week out and says the title he holds comes to be because of how fans grew tired with Roman Reigns showing up less and less frequently on television and cheating to win when he defended his title. Everything that Seth Rollins has said is true. He says... His title is for him and the fans by by him and the fans and they've now they've now leveled the playing field. He says they don't have to pretend Reigns is a god or a pedestal and asks Rhodes if he wants the workhorse title. He says the World Heavyweight Championship is about who is the best in the ropes. <coughs> He says Rhodes and his own decision. This is about Rhodes and his own decision. He wants to know that what's next, what's in Rhodes' heart and what kind of man he wants to be. Rhodes tells Rollins that he has the same amount of respect. He has the same amount of respect 
uh, for him. And he'll think about his offer. I like this. I thought this was really great. A great way to um have Co- Cody possibly choose Rollins. But in the end, he's going to choose Roman Reigns because it makes sense. The story is right there. The story is right there with Roman. It's a redemption. Like, look back. And I don't like using this example this often, but I might as well. Think of it like John Cena losing to The Rock, only for him to beat The Rock at next year's WrestleMania. That is the direction that they are going with. And as much as I would like to see Rollins in Rhodes again, which honestly, that would be a great match, but I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. But I thought this segment was great. It did his job perfectly. We had Jay Uso versus Bronson Reed. I thought this was a good match. I thought this was good for what it was. And um, Jay Uso, he got the win with the spear on Bronson Reed. This was a good match. We go backstage and we see Andrade talking to Adam Pierce. Nick Aldis strolls in and Pierce announces that Andrade is the newest member of the Raw roster. <clears throat> and Aldis passive aggressively expresses his frustration and about not being able to sign him first. And Andrade said, tells Alina I said hi. And he says um, they need to discuss the elimination chamber. But walks off when he gets a call from Braun Breaker. That makes it interesting. Because it looks like Braun Breaker is going to be uh, called up at some point. But when? I don't know. I don't know when. But... I thought this was uh, pretty interesting, but really proud to uh, to see him on Monday Night Raw. I thought he was going to go to SmackDown. I thought that was the destination we were heading, but we are not. So there's that. We had a really good Intercontinental Championship match between Gunther and Kofi Kingston. And by the way, congratulations to Gunther. He is now at the 600-day reign as the as the intercontinental champion well deserved literally well deserved now after the now gunther retained no shit over kofi kingston after the match xavier woods checked on uh kingston but giovanni vinci and ludwig kaiser uh attacked both of them and i was thinking to myself is biggie coming is biggie coming is biggie coming but Unfortunately, Biggie did not come. So <clears throat> they're still doing this program with Imperium and uh and Ludwig Ka- Imperium and uh, the, the New Day. But I think this is gonna be good. This is gonna be good. But uh there's that. Now we had the Kabuki Warriors taking on Natalia and Tegan Knox, and I thought I mean, this this is the story with Natalia and Tegan Knox. Apparently, they're going to be breaking up really, really soon. They're going to break up really, really soon. And the Kabuki Warriors, they got to win over Natalia and Tegan Knox. Now, Bailey comes out after the match. When, no, Bailey doesn't come out after the, after the match. The Kabuki Warriors, they stayed in the ring. And... Jackie Redman, no, Samantha Irvin introduces the winner of the 2024 
Women's Royal Rumble, which is Bailey. She comes out with damage control and she gives fans a photo op and asks, when was the last time the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, the WWE Women's Champion, and the Royal Rumble, the Women's Royal Rumble winner stood in the same ring? She says, this is history right here. And it's all thanks to her. She said that, I told everyone that damage control would take over despite what everyone said. And she stands in this ring now as the 2024 Women's Royal Rumble winner. She says, I've beaten 29 other women and set a record for the longest time I spent in a match at over 63 minutes. And before she can continue, Rhea Ripley comes out. And Ripley says Bailey only set a record because I wasn't in it. But before she could continue, Nia Jax blindsides her on the ramp, tosses her down the ramp, and like tosses her down the ramp, and she lands three leg drops in the ring and hits the annihilator on Rhea. Now Nia grabs the mic. And she tells Bailey, if I was you, I would choose to face EO Sky at WrestleMania um, more than it or anyone else because Ripley won't be making it. Bailey then says, I will be making my decision about my WrestleMania opponent on SmackDown. So there's your little uh, tease right there because we know, already know for a fact that she is not picking Rhea Ripley. She's picking EO. The moment she picks EO, that's going to be it. <coughs> but in the main event, we had <coughs> we had Drew McIntyre versus Sami Zayn. I thought this was really good. Really good main event with Drew McIntyre getting the win. And honestly, I would have Drew McIntyre face Seth Rollins at WrestleMania in the main event. I, that would be a great alternative. That would be a great alternative. I think that is the destination I would do. But uh, other than that, I thought this was a really good fallout for Monday Night Raw. I enjoyed it. Um, But I'm looking forward to next week. I want to see what they have in store for next week. We got NXT Vengeance Day. NXT Vengeance Day is this Sunday. I'm not going to cover um what happened on NXT. But... uh. What I will do, I will do my predictions for NXT Vengeance Day. And here is my my predictions for Vengeance Day. We only got, um, as of this recording, we only got six matches. I don't think they're going to add like a pre-show match. I don't know if they will, but we'll see. If, it's, if there is a pre-show match, I could definitely see it being Ren Sinclair and Fallon Henley versus Jakara Jackson and Lash Legend. I think that's what they're going to do. But let's start from the bottom. We have Dijak versus Joe Gacy in a no-disqualification match. Um, I mean, this should be pretty good. If I have to pick a winner for this one, the one who's deserving the win, I would give it to Dijak. Now, I don't know what they're going to do with uh, Joe Gacy. But uh, we'll see what they have in store. But 
Right now, I'm going with Dijak, but I would not mind if Joe Gacy wins. That would be nice because <coughs> on a reality, Joe Gacy, I don't know what direction they're doing with him. We have the family, Tony D'Angelo, Channon Stack Lorenzo, and Adriana Rizzo taking on OTM, Lucian Price, Bronco Nima, and Jada Parker with the... Uh, Scripts in the corner. This is a six-person mixed tag team match. Um, I'm I don't know how how I can feel about this match. Like I don't know how what I can feel about this match. The only thing I could say about it is the fact that it's just there. This feels more like a TV match than an NXT esque match. Um, the way I see it, the way I see it, and this is just me, like, the only thing that I, t the, the biggest takeaway for me is the tag titles are not being defended. I can see this as a way for the, oh, I can see OTM winning this and they get a tag title match at, um, at whatever it is, whether it's Vengeance Day or a random episode of NXT. But um, this is just a way to... I, I don't know. But if I had to pick, I could see OTM winning it. But I'm going with the family. I think the family is going to win this match. But you know what? No, no, no. OTM, they need this win. They need this win. So I'm, going, I'm switching my prediction. I'm going with OTM. And I think Jada Parker is going to pin uh, Rizzo. We have the men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Finals. Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker versus Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Now this match, this is a no-brainer. I feel like Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin are going to win this match. But the way I look at it, I could see it. I could see people saying that, oh, Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes can win this match because of X, Y, and Z. But I'm going with Breaker and Corbin. I think they've been doing well for me when it comes to when it comes to the tag teams. I think they're the right choice, and it it gets the story with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, which has been delayed. You know what I'm saying? It's been delayed for God knows how long. But I'm going with Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker. I think they're the picks to win this match. And that's not the last I will be talking about Carmelo and Trick. We have Obafemi taking on Dragon Lee. Now, Obafemi is defending the NXT North American Championship against Dragon Lee. Um, <clears throat> this match, Obafemi is not dropping that title. He's not dropping that title to uh, Dragon Lee. But uh, Obafemi's fucking good. He's fucking good. And he he's my pick to, to win. He's going to retain the um, NXT North American Championship. We have Lyra Valkyria defending her NXT Women's Championship against Roxanne Perez. And... I'll, I... I I think the plan was, and this is just me, I feel like the plan was originally going to be 
Cora Jade versus Cora Jade versus uh, Lyra Valkyria had she not got injured. Had she not got injured, it would have been a different story. <coughs> but I love what they're doing with Roxanne. It's like you're seeing a different side of Roxanne. But I don't think this is going to be a clean finish. I feel like Roxanne is going to... Um, she's not winning the title. I can see Lyra Valkyria winning the title. Uh, no, I can see Lyra Valkyria retaining. But it's because of Tatum or Tatum Paxley. So I don't know what what they're going to do. But um, I think Lyra is retaining. It's a no-brainer. And in the main event, which it better be the main event, uh, Trick Williams will take on Ilya Dragunov for the NXT Championship. Now, this is a match that should have happened on New Year's Evil, but it did not happen. Um, the way I looked at this, like the way I see it, the way I see it, um, this is just a way to further the story. And I think Elia is going to give Trick Williams a really good match, but Trick ain't winning the title. I feel like this is where, this is where, um, Carmelo Hayes shows his true colors after the match because Elia Dragunov is retaining. And hopefully we move on to find a better opponent for uh for Ilya Dragunov. Who? I don't know. But um I can see the turn coming a mile away. It's gonna happen at Vengeance Day. And we're gonna have Trick versus Carmelo at Stand and Deliver. That is the direction that we are heading. So there's that. But Ilya is my pick, and that's my predictions for NXT Vengeance Day. You know, when you talk about SmackDown, you talk about something that, like, you would talk about a good show, right? Like, I'm not going to lie. I thought the show was good. But um, when I think of SmackDown, I think of being left confused at the end. And don't worry. We're going to get to it. I'm going to share my thoughts on you guys know what I'm about to talk about. You can tell by the title. But SmackDown took place at the Legacy Arena in Birmingham, Alabama. And everything's going smooth. Everything's going swell. And we kick things off with the United States champion, Logan Paul. Now, he kicks off the show. And he asks Alabama not to do, do him like that because Alabama were giving him the boo treatment. Um, saying he doesn't want to be here any, any more than... like. He doesn't want to be here any more than they want him to be here, which, look, I like Logan Paul. I think he's done a fantastic job as a heel, which he should have been a heel in the first fucking place. Um, He'll be honest. He underestimated Kevin Owens. On first glance, he looked like a pissed off donut. But hey, in their match, he made him fight and KO did more damage to him than Floyd Mayweather did. He damn near knocked him out and yet he still lost and he's still the champ. When's it going to click for us, he says. I'm one of the toughest. What? People on the on this brittle roster, this little roster. What? He gives himself a bunch of nicknames, including Beast from the East. What? Um, and Beast in the West. What? 
Kevin Owens comes out. He says, as great as being the United States champion would be, knocking the hell out of Logan feels even better. But now, he wants another title shot. Paul said the, the brass knuckles were a setup, but this is one. This is but this is his one and only shot at the title. And face it, dude, I outsmarted you. KO advances on him and Logan says, you smell terrible. Kev says, I bathed in prime before I came here. But Paul reiterates that he's not getting another shot, which he says you got to face Austin Theory and we get this match first. But first of all, let's talk about the promo. I thought the promo was fucking great. In my honest opinion, I thought the promo was great. I thought the back and forth was great. Um, like Kevin Owens looks like a beast. In my honest opinion, he looks legit and he feels like a big deal. Trying to go after um, Logan Paul, which I don't think is going to happen. But I'm, I'm just like Logan in the role of a heel. I thought he did a fantastic job. Now, we get Kevin Owens against Austin Theory. I thought this was a basic wrestling match. I thought this was okay with Kevin Owens getting the win over Austin Theory. It, it's amazing. You know, when, when you look back, when you look back at the at Austin Theory's run in WWE, like, when you look back, like, are you going to remember, like, um, his run? Like, it just feels so, like, he beat John Cena. It was supposed to do him wonders. But it's just having the opposite effect on Austin Theory. <clears throat> but other than that, like, it, it's just, I don't know what's going on with Austin Theory. Now we go backstage. Naomi emerges from Nick Aldis' office, having signed a contract to be an exclusive member to SmackDown, which, I mean, it made sense because her husband, Jimmy Uso, is on SmackDown. Now, you got Mee-Chan, Shotzi, and Bianca Belair celebrating with her when Tiffany Stratton, oh, Tiffany Stratton, Ludwig Kaiser, you are one lucky son of a bitch. Um, Tiffany Stratton emerges and announces that she's done the same thing, so she is officially a part of SmackDown. And there's a verbal exchange, Stratton clocks Mee-Chan, and we get the match between Stratton and Mee-Chan later during the show. But uh, I'm I'm happy to see Naomi on television. I'm happy to see Naomi on TV. And Tiffany Strat, like you look at the SmackDown Women's Division, it is fucking great. You got Io, you got Bailey, you got Bianca, you got Oscar, Kyrie, Naomi, uh, Michan, Tiffany Stratton. Like I could go Shotzi. Like you got Dakota Kai. You got Charlotte, who's out with an injury. Like, the women's division feels so stacked. You got Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, too. I like this. I thought this was good. Now, speaking of good, we had Pete Dunne and Tyler Bay taking on LWO, Pretty Deadly, and Legato Del Fantasma. And the winner will face the winner of the Raw Tag Team to see who faces Judgment Day at, um, <clears throat> at Elimination Chamber. But Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate, they got the win. And I thought this was a really good match. And Joaquin Wilde continues to be just fucking amazing. He is just so good at what he does. And I really mean that wholeheartedly. Like, I thought this was really, really good. We go backstage. We see EO, Asuka, and Kyrie. They're hanging out backstage. And EO guy says, it's done. Bailey is done and not worry about it. 
So they leave. They're laughing. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, oh, shit. So they're really about to turn on Bailey. When Bailey literally heard them, and you could just hear a pin drop. And I'm like, oh, no. She heard the entire thing. But it sets up what we're about to talk about, which I thought was the best thing on this show. We had damage control. They come out. Bailey says she's done just about everything that needs to be done. Um, she's done just about everything when it comes to WrestleMania. But this year is different because it's different and special because she didn't get here on her own, and she can admit that. She had her ups and downs and more downs, but she had her girls the whole way. And when you're looking at this, you can see EO, Oscar, and Kyrie laughing, and every time Bailey turns, like they just pretend to be normal. They just pretend to be normal. Like she they like she had uh damage control. They supported her, and damage control is more than just the best women's faction in all of all time. Their family. Well, we can make we can make an argument on that. I know there's people who's gonna make an argument on that. Now, Oscar, like I said, Oscar, EO, and Kyrie, they're giggling. Bailey shoots them the look before continuing. She says to prove that she's the best, she has to fight the best. And that brings her that brings her to Rhea Ripley. Or she could go on a different route. And I love this line right here. Because sometimes it's more personal and it comes down to what's in your heart and proving your doubters wrong. And sometimes the people they thought were your friends, you thought were your friends. And she shoots a mean, a meaningful look at damage control. She literally says, you have to prove them wrong. She asks, are y'all done laughing? And she says something in Japanese was shocked EO, Oscar, and Kyrie. And she's like, I know, <coughs> excuse me. She's like, I know about all, I know about all the way they were talking behind my back. And she asks, why? Why? All I wanted was for damage control to be the best and make it to the top at WrestleMania. And she closes in on EO. And what I love about EO is her reaction, like her expression. She's like, like, she can act, man. Like, she was trying to be in denial. And, like, she closes on EO and the Kabuki Warriors. They go behind her. And she tearfully asks EO, what's, what happened? All of a sudden, the Kabuki Warriors attack uh, Bailey, And, and EO joins in on it. Now, EO, now, not EO. Bailey. Gets an iron pipe. She was prepared for this. She fights the Kabuki Warriors off. Then you had EO and Bailey. They were holding EO holding her title. Bailey holding the pipe. They stopped mid-swing. And EO rolls out of the ring. And she literally like Bailey grabs the mic and says, I'll see you at WrestleMania. So it is official. We got EO versus Bailey at WrestleMania, and I love every second of this. What I love about this is the fact that it is long overdue for Bailey to turn babyface. It is long overdue. And 
I love that they're giving her her flowers. Now, another big thing I will say about this is where does Dakota Kai's legion lies in? Because she wasn't even on the show. Now, she revealed that she's not medically cleared, but it's where her allegiance lies. Now, it could be that she's sides with EO. And what I love about this is it puts more sympathy for Bailey to chase. And I could definitely see that happening. Anything's possible, but I do want to see Bailey get her flowers because usually every WrestleMania you get Charlotte fighting for a title, Bianca fighting for a title. Like she was like you got Becky getting the highlight. Like Sasha got the main event. Now I'm happy for Bailey to get her moment. That's the thing that matters to me the most. I want Bailey to get her moment. And I know people are going to say, but she know, she had her moment. She won that fatal four-way at WrestleMania 33. I mean, yeah, sure, but like in a singles match, I'm talking singles match. When was the last time Bailey had a compelling singles match? Like you can look back to NXT when she had that feud with Sasha Banks. And I guarantee that like and I'm happy for the I'm happy for EO because that's the spot that she fucking deserves. She fucking deserves that spot, whether you want to admit that or not. That's the spot that is rightfully hers, in my honest opinion. But I'm really excited for this match. I think this is going to be fantastic. And I think EO is going to give Bailey the best. Like, Bailey is going to give EO the best match of her career. Like, yes, it, you can say Bianca, but when it comes to a big stage like WrestleMania, I think this is perfect. And not only that, I want y'all to think about this. You could have Poppy performing for EO. You got Paramore performing for Bailey. Come on. Tell me y'all would not want that at WrestleMania. I'm excited for the match. I'm excited for the match. I think that's going to be really good. We were supposed to get Final Testament versus The Pride, but this all lashed in chaos. And <clears throat> we see B-Fab coming in to make the save and restore order so she's joining Bobby Lashley's stable so I guess that's the way to even even the odds but other than that I mean it's just eh that's the best way I could say it it's eh <clears throat> we go backstage we see Nick Aldis he's trying to sign um Braun Breaker when Adam Pierce rolls in and tells him don't sign anything until you talk to me on Monday Nick gets hot and Braun says, I'm just going to sit for a little bit, sit on it for a little bit, and he leaves. And what I love about this is having dueling GMs trying to um, sign somebody exclusive. I love it. Now, Jay Cargill comes in, and I marked out for Jay Cargill. I'm sorry. I, I'm a Jay Cargill stan. And Aldis tells Pierce to leave, and Adam gets a parting shot in before leaving the top of, of the two of them to chat. Now, I could see this as Jade signing the SmackDown because they got Andrade. And the big marquee match with Jade at WrestleMania should be Bianca and Jade. That is where I think we're going to be heading, and I do not mind that at all. <clears throat> I think that would be a perfect idea. Tiffany Stratton made her debut against Mee-Chan. I thought she did pretty good. I mean, it was a basic match, but uh, Tiffany Stratton, she got the win with one of the coolest moonsaults ever. 
And then we get to the end. Roman Reigns, the bloodline, they come out. Roman tells Birmingham to acknowledge him. And he says, while he prefers to move forward, some things were sold on Monday that he can't let slide. He says Seth Rollins claimed that he had a title, was the guy, and was the workhorse, but he objects to all those. He says he worked 10 times less than Rollins, but makes 10 times his salary and asks the crowd whose money they want. Now, Reigns tells Cody, you're an idiot for having values um, and not caring about money before telling him he won't beg him like Rollins did on Monday. So Cody comes out and he asks Birmingham and like he asks Birmingham and he asks um, Roman, what do you want to talk about? He says, I imagined their conversation to be a little more private. He asks if they can have the ring to themselves and Reigns tells Jimmy and, and Solo to just flank him on the outside. He says, he had Reigns and he thinks he knows it. And he said, no matter what Reigns' title is called, he still wants it and asks Reigns what finishing the story is. He says he's heard Reigns say everything is his and asks if finishing the story is simply taking the title from Reigns or taking everything from him. Rose says he wants the undisputed WWE Championship and warns Reigns that he's coming for him. And this is the wham line right here, but not at WrestleMania. He said, I talked to an individual who knows Reigns very well, and I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me, The Rock? And lo and behold, The Rock's music hits. He comes down to the ring, and Rhodes, he makes his way to the back. You got The Rock with Reigns alone in the ring, and they have this stare down to close out the show, and I'm just sitting there asking myself, what the fuck did I just look at? That's the only thing I was saying to myself. What the fuck did I just see? Like, and I was left confused. And apparently The Rock pulled for this match. And I had I had to think about this the entire night. Like, and after waking up, this is my realization. Am I, ups, am I disappointed by the result? Yes, I am. But that doesn't mean I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to cancel WWE like these other fucking shills that I see. And, <clears throat> but I think CM Punk getting injured, like CM Punk getting injured, Seth Rollins getting hurt, and Brock Lesnar being mentioned in the Vince McMahon scandal pretty much derailed the plans heading into WrestleMania. And I am telling you right now, had C CM Punk not gotten hurt, we probably would have gotten CM Punk and Seth Rollins. But um, this is going to be talked about, and at the end of the day is business. And I'm not trying to find the defense here. I think it's stupid. What's the point of Cody winning the Rumble if he doesn't finish the story with Roman Reigns? And I just recently got an email from Fightful Select. This is what they know about the Cody Rhodes, Rock and Roman Reigns. And I'm going to read it in verbatim. 
In one of the most controversial moves in wrestling book in history, The Rock is poised to face the Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40 instead of Cody Rhodes. We will preface this story by stating that nothing has been officially announced. And as always in pro wrestling, plans can change, just as they did over the last week. There are many in the company that are cautiously optimistic that if the reaction that WWE received Friday night, as of now, the plan for WrestleMania is The Rock versus Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Sources and creative confirmed that as of recently, the working plan was Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns um, and CM Punk versus Seth Rollins. Punk's title shot was to be set up at the Elimination Chamber, okay? And CM Punk was going to win the damn thing. And now, that got derailed because he's hurt. We were supposed to get Brock Lesnar challenging Dominic Mysterio at Elimination Chamber. But that ain't going to happen. Because Brock is in... The, he's part of this allegation as well. And he was supposed to challenge Gunther. Which has been scrapped. Like... They will also cancel from creative plans as Lesnar and Punk were eliminated from creative moving forward. While Cody Rhodes professed loudly at the Royal Rumble that he was coming after Roman Reigns, there were some in the company that claimed that they heard as of this afternoon that The Rock had agreed to face Roman. We've also heard that the that there was Rock's head of the table WrestleMania theme merchandise prototypes within the company by that weekend. Nobody we spoke to could make the order operation make sense, but many were hopeful that WWE and TKO would see the reaction and pivot. You can see many of the reactions we've garnered below. Those that we've spoken to said that The Rock had not only pushed to work for the match, some thought he was even pushing to win the match. Regardless of what the finish will be, multiple sources said that they viewed this as a political move that TKO believes will result in more immediate money than what would have been with Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Sources within TKO swore this wasn't done out of malice to Rhodes, <laughs> yeah right, and value him as a talent, but believe that those involved with the decision making underestimated how the patience of the audience has worn thin on the situation. There was some... There was some creative shakeup within WWE of late, and sources on the creative team expect Rock's longtime business partner and friend and former WWE creative member Brian Jorts to factor in WWE's creative mem No, factor into the Rock's creative plans moving forward. Um he's expected to be around from time physic physically as well. Fightful reached out to Warts, uh, Jorts about uh, his role, but were not immediately able to get a comment unless it was an interview and approved by WWE. TKO sources did say they valued uh, Jorts' skill set and they that they could see him as a key role creatively if the right situation aligned between all parties. <coughs> Regarding the timeline of events, we're told that Cody was at least at least was informed as of Friday that this was the decision, and he didn't travel to SmackDown without knowing. At least they told him, because if they didn't tell him, then that would be a problem. I would have been upset. Now, talent including The Rock had all been booked for February 8th's 
uh, press conference in Las Vegas by the time, though The Rock's involvement wasn't clear. Um, naturally, Fightful acts if this move was done in order to take attention or public publicity away from the WWE, Vince McMahon, and John Laurinaitis scandal and lawsuits that were going on. Sources in the know claimed that The Rock was actually pushing for this before, but admitted that it couldn't have hurt the process to get any mainstream publicity that was not associated with the scandal. It's worth noting that The Rock and Ari Emanuel have a long-standing relationship, and The Rock is the biggest star tied to the Endeavor brand. FIFO has heard, as of three weeks ago, there was a talent element being pitched for his role with TKO. As both sides wanted to maximize the huge deal they made around the board's position, licensing fee, and the rights of the Rock name. For those wondering, the early word is that The Rock will attempt to work a full-length match, but there's no word on if he'll be open to continuing to wrestle. There's some concerns about him working a WrestleMania main event length match after his recent appearance. All parties involved will be in Las Vegas media presser Thursday. Fightful Sean Rossack and Sean Rossack and Denise Salcedo will be in the scene. Now, the reactions in WWE. For the sake of transparency, FIFO reached out over three dozen contacts within WWE across all departments. None that got back to us even played devil's advocate for the decision to run The Rock versus Roman Reigns, and the decision was universally panned for those we spoke with. I've known Dwayne for a long time, one wrestler told FIFO. Not only did the look on Cody's face tell the story, the look on Dwayne's face told the story. I think in that moment he knew that this decision wasn't going to work out quite the way he, that he imagined it. He was experiencing the same thing that he and Roman experienced in Philadelphia. He was being co-signed for something the vast majority didn't want. Everyone that we've heard back from the from understood business implication of running the match, but believe it wasn't a good decision. It wasn't a good decision for long-term WWE business. The Rock versus Roman made sense several years ago when we were running back Roman and Lesnar repeatedly. It could have made sense this year had Cody won the title last year. This is one of the few years that it just doesn't make any sense in any capacity. A source in creative said that many of the team were deflated and it felt like a decision they they hear about being made under the previous regime at the expense of helping cultivate new crossover talent. Another source that had worked with The Rock was much more stern, saying The Rock eroded his trust with the comic and superhero community, with the film community, maybe with the football community, and might do it with with the one he has almost universal goodwill with. He's not a bad guy. Don't mistake that or get me wrong. He's a great time. Like, he's a great guy. However, and this is something I agree with, bad timing and overexposure and fatigue will make fools of us all. You have to know when to take a back seat. I agree with that 100%. PW Insider was told that the move was not done to politic Cody out of the main event with Malice. Uh, it, It feels like that to me. 
And one top talent sent Fightful a screenshot and said, I truly believe that The Rock wasn't being malicious, not being malicious with intent and actions, not having malicious repercussions on exclusive. Another longtime member of the creative team says there have been numerous meetings, pitches, and attempts to get The Rock in in on this match, or really any match, for years, and it happened. One year... The excuse was not that the story didn't make sense. Not not only does it make less sense than ever right now, it's undermining one of the biggest stories we've ever told and turning off a lot of our fans, which this is something you're running into. The Rocks family passed the McMahon family in the past week as far as power dynamic and pro wrestling, and it's probably not going to change anytime soon said one person who has worked with all parties involved numerous times. And I I listened to this and <clears throat> like it's literally how would you put this? It's literally The Rock playing Hulk Hogan and Cody playing Bret Hart. And that's a comparison that I see. And it's just I don't even know what I, I, I could say. Like, the best way I could put it without being rude is the fact that, like, this could have been done a long time ago. Like, it would have made sense if he won the fucking belt. And I know they're going to try to use this to surpass Hulk Hogan's imaginary record, which I honestly do not give a shit about. I don't give a shit about the record. Like... What, it's just, it's just, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense. What, you want The Rock to beat Roman and then he holds on to the title on SmackDown and then he vacates it because he has other commitments? That would just kill the whole story right there. But when I look at it, when I look at it, you got to look at it from a business perspective. And I'm no businessman, don't get me wrong. I am not a businessman. I look at it from a business perspective. At the end of the day, and this is a little reality people need to understand. At the end of the day, this like this is going to be the marquee match whether you want to admit it or not. It's going to be one of the biggest matches that they will ever produce, whether you want to admit it or not. And it'll come a time and a place that... <clears throat> like, I don't see them doing... Uh, WrestleMania with Cody and Roman at next year, that makes no fucking sense. Like, it just defeats the purpose of him trying to finish the story. Now, it seems more likely that he's going to challenge Seth Rollins because, look, Rollins is hurt. We don't know how long he's going to be doing this. He's been having history of knee problems, and if the plan is to unify the World Heavyweight title and the WWE title, I don't know. I honestly don't know. It just leaves me with more questions than answers. And that, and that's something I do not want to come out of this. I do not want to come out of, oh, it's going to leave me with more questions than answers. Like, I'm still confused, but I get it from a business perspective. I get it, but it still feels like politicking your way into the match. And that's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. You're already going to be losing some fans because of this this move. <clears throat> but I, I don't know, man. 
it just leaves me with more questions. That's how SmackDown ended, man. But I, I just feel like it just undermines Cody. What the fuck is he going to do? He's going to win the World Heavyweight Championship only to be cashed in by Damian Priest? What's the purpose? I don't get it. I don't get it. And don't forget, you got Drew McIntyre. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But we'll see how this goes. But anyway, I'm getting the heck out of here, guys. Thank y'all so much for tuning into this episode. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you guys follow me on Twitter, Shino D Phoenix. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, Shino Phoenix. Follow me on TikTok, Shino uh, D Phoenix. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Shino D Phoenix. Like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. And follow me on Twitch, Shino Phoenix. So until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can. And this Phoenix flies off. I'll talk to you guys later. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. Thank you.